0: What's up everybody? My name is Brandon McCall, I'm also known as BMX, and this is Nice Minds. I am with a very 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 special guest. My homie, I've known him for like 20 years, Sasan Scott Zaker. Hey,
1: what's up everybody? It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Brandon. How you been, bro? I've been good, brother. I've been good, you know. I can't complain. You know, life is is uh, you know, life is moving forward. I got air in my lungs and I'm uh yeah, I'm working a lot, you know, I'm I'm staying pretty busy and
0: yeah, yeah, everything's good. I want to go into a little background. So you're, a, you're an amazing drummer and musician and I met you not even through music, actually like 20 years ago through my younger brother, Travis. Uh, and I can't remember if it was my 16th birthday party or my 17th birthday party, but it was one of the two. I want to say it was like right after we moved to Maple Grove.
1: Yeah, I, I'm honestly I can't remember if it was your sixteenth or seventeenth. I want to say it was your sixteenth birthday. Yeah, I think so. But I'm not a hundred percent. I do remember that party though.
0: Yeah. So I I I remember seeing you like uh, you know I met you and you were like this quiet dude and you had a cast on, um <laughs> and uh and then like I was just like I mean I was already like in party mode and like I was hyper. We weren't even like drinking or anything, you know. But I was just like off the wall and I just remember seeing you and I'm just like you look like a pothead I'm gonna call you <laughs> pothead and I don't know
1: if you remember that I do I do I think you called me pothead for like a while after probably. that. probably like until we until we started hanging out like and doing music shit I'm pretty sure I was just pothead like
0: one of your <laughs> brother's like pothead friends and it was <laughs> funny because like I smoked weed you know like I don't, like I don't know I don't know where that came from I was just this fucking nut case um
1: (laughs) but good times man
0: yeah so i mean we like then all of a sudden it's like you you know not only did you meet my brother we also all of a sudden had like a bunch of mutual friends and it just kind of has continued over the years and um we found ourselves in like a lot of the same circles like musically and like you know from maple grove and it's it's crazy um So I know you're, you're originally from San Diego, but your family moved to Maple Grove in like the early two thousands, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, so my mom and I moved to Maple Grove in 2000, actually, I'm sorry, in 2001. Okay. Um, and yeah, that was the first time I, I, that I was up there. Um, we came straight from San Diego. Uh, we went straight to Maple Grove. We didn't live in, we had no context of Minnesota or anything outside of California, really, as far as living goes. Um, actually, well, myself, I I should speak for myself. My mom was from London. So, um, yeah, we, we, uh, I have, um, an aunt and uncle on my dad's side and, and cousins, uh, their kids, um, who are like my big brother and sister. They are also, they were living in San Diego about six years prior and then they moved up first. So then they're the ones that convinced us to, to move up to Maple Grove. And yeah, it was, it changed my life, dude. Honestly, it, you know, I, I think back all the time, like, had we not moved to Minnesota, you know, like, what would my life be like? It'd be completely different, you know, and and I'm super grateful that we did because I love you guys, man. You guys you guys really taught me, like, what, what friendship really is because I didn't have a lot of, like, close friends in San Diego, you know, prior to moving up there. Like, I had a pretty rough time, dude. Like, run up in San Diego, I used to get fucked with a lot. I used to get beat up. I used to get fucking picked on. I used to have to run from fucking all kinds of shit there was gangs in my neighborhood there was all kinds of shit so um you know when i'm when we moved to maple grove that was like my first experience with like the suburbs you know what i mean like it was yeah it was it was way different
0: <laughs> it's crazy because you you and i and obviously you and my brother uh we have like the exact same background in that regard um because you know i'm from southern california as well we're from the uh, we were born in santa barbara um lived in ventura but we moved uh to Minnesota seven years prior, uh, before you did, but we moved to Maple Grove that same year too. So that it's, it's crazy. I have a few different friends like that who are like either from, you know, like Seth and Josh are from Arizona. You know, I have a few friends just from Cali, you know, I have a few friends from here and there, but like, it's crazy connecting with, with people like in a, in a different city who, and you, you just, you share a similar background. Cause it, you know, yeah. we, we came from, ventura you know gang gang city and you know not a nice area and kind, kind of the same type of shit i mean I, I was a lot i mean a bit younger than you were when you moved but um kind of the same stuff man
1: yeah it's you know it's it's crazy seeing how maple grove has grown too over the over the last oh, yeah. 20 years
0: even in the last few years like i was
1: i was living in maple grove from 2017 this was the last the most recent time i was living there was 2017 through like 2018 i was there for a year living with my cousin or staying in my cousin's house with his family and uh it was weird being back in maple grove dude like 20 years later you know or like not even but close you know and and running into people dude like i was working at um i was working in the liquor store at whole foods in maple grove for like you were i was yeah for like six months i didn't know right when i got back yeah in 2017 i like needed a job real quick and Um, you know, I was building my cousin's real estate team on the side. So like I was studying for my real estate exam, so I couldn't really do anything. So I was like, fuck, I got to go get a job. So I was like looking around for jobs, got a job at at Whole Foods. I was working at the liquor store and bro, like I kid you not, like at least three times a week, like some random person from either junior high or high school would walk in like with their kids, like fully grown up and like never either never left Maple Grove or like they all had some crazy story like, oh yeah, I moved here there and then I came home or it was crazy like reconnecting with people in that context and you know i have to admit i was always a little like fuck like i'm you know i'm like 30 fucking working health <laughs> you know i'd like run into people that were like crushing it but you know it was still all you know nevertheless it was it was weird to be back in grove like as an adult you know and and um you know see how everything has like grown around you know basically like the movie theater <laughs> or like the com- the the community center really i mean i remember when it was like The community center and the theater and and like Cub foods and that was that was it dude and some other shops maybe but like yeah now it's crazy dude it's like a major suburb now
0: yeah it's crazy so how many times have you moved to minnesota and back to san diego now bro it's been
1: like so many times now i think i've lost count like i'd really let me let me sit and think about it okay so let's let's count it out so 2001 was number one and then I moved back to Cali, uh, fuck, okay, so I was in seventh grade, so seventh, eighth, ninth grade, so four years later. So 2004, no, I'm sorry, 2005, I moved back to San Diego in my, like, end of my junior year. And then I was in San Diego from 2005, 2006, 2007, I moved back for, for college yep. to go to McNally. Right? So that's three and then I was there pretty much from 2007 through 2012. And then I moved back to. Um, then my mom died, and I moved back to Cali like shortly after that. So then I was back here 2012 through um, 2017. And then I went back, and then I and then I came back up to Minnesota, and I just came back. I was there t- 2017 through uh, 2020. So yeah, it's been it's been a crazy it's been a crazy decade or crazy twenty years I should say.
0: I bet. So speak. I mean, speaking of the last twenty years. So when did you get your start with music? Like when did you start drumming and stuff?
1: I started drumming like shortly after I moved up to Minnesota. So I want to say it was like 2002. It was like 2001, 2002. That's when I got my first kit. I was like in junior high, like eighth or ninth grade. I think it was ninth grade. And dude, I hit it hard, dude. As soon as I got my kit, I was like. Cause here's a crazy thing, a lot of people don't know this. Like people ask me all the time, they're like, "Hey man, how'd you like? How did you learn how to play drums?" And I'm not gonna lie, dude, full full honesty, I learned how to play drums in Guitar Center. Oh, that's crazy. When I was a kid, like even years, yeah. So like years prior to to my mom and I moving to Minnesota, it was probably like I don't know, it was like two years, like starting like 1998. Like I was like 10. Um, my mom was working like three jobs, and she couldn't afford like daycare or anything like that. And my grandma had moved to the UK. So, like, there was nowhere. And, you know, they were taking me around, like, making me sit in their, you know, different workplaces and stuff. But it was at the point where she would just be like, all right, you know, even on weekends, she'd be like, all right, I need to do shit. And she just wanted to drop me off somewhere. So, she would legit drop me off at Guitar Center and then, like, leave me there for, like, four hours at a time. And then she would just, like, come back four hours later and pick me up. So, it was, like, free daycare, you know? And I loved being in there because, you know, I started, like, really wanting to play drums when I was, like, eight. But we couldn't, I, you know, we were living in, like, tiny little studio apartments. Like, I couldn't get a kit. We were broke. So I used to sit in my room with, like, headphones on. And I would listen to, like, all my favorite albums, dude. I would listen to, like, Nirvana. Like, I remember that was an album I really started. Like, like Dave Grohl. It was like, holy shit. And fucking, you know, all those, like, new metal bands, like Corn and fucking Limp Biscuit. Like, my cousin was turning me on to all this, like, rock music and shit. And I was like, oh, my God, the drums are so fucking rad in all of these, in all this music. And so I would go to GC like once a weekend, she would drop me off four hours, I would sit in the drum department and I would like sit on their kits. You know, back in the days, they didn't like control this stuff. Like, you know, now they see kids and if you don't buy something, they kick your ass out. Back then it was like, there was people everywhere. Guitar center was fucking packed all the time. So like you you could get away with like slipping into the crowd and just staying in the back corner and just playing the kits for like as long as you could. So I would just sit on the like early days of the electronic drums and I would fucking just sit there for hours, dude. And I would sit and I would like hit each drum and I would like make, I would remember like, okay, that tom sounds like a tom. Like crash sounds like a crash. Like hi-hats, okay, it sounds like this close, sounds like this open, right? Like this is a snare. And my hands just kind of like started like putting tune together. And then I would listen to the music, right? And I would like study like how the drums, like what sounds were coming and how they were arranged. I'd be like, okay. Right? And I started like visually putting it together. So over the course of like a year, I did that. And then I started like air drumming, right? I would like go home and I would, I had a pair of drumsticks and I would sit with my headphones and I would air drum, like, and I would start teaching myself all the drum parts of all these rock bands. And then I would take it back to GC and then I would like play it on the kit. So like that, by the time I got to Minnesota and I even bought a drum set, like I already knew how to play, you know? So like, it didn't take me like hardly any time. To to start playing like with bands like it's all I needed was the kit So it was like kind of crazy how how that all happened like looking back. I was like as soon as I had the drum set, bro I was like fucking calling up I was trying to meet guitar players and bass players and I was like trying out for bands and And I just wanted to play, you know, just as much as I could
0: knowing you like Right before you got started and then seeing you, you know Just get good and get really freaking good. Um, and seeing you like play in bands, I just remember just having like literally, I was like, I was thinking about this beforehand. And some of my fun, funnest times in my early 20s were going to see you play in the bands that you were in, like the Isles and Roster McCabe. I mean, like, those were like some of the funnest times, bro. I mean, like, cause we would go up and see you guys uh, play at uh, Sally's like every fucking week. Yeah. And, and it was it was it was always so fun watching you because your faces were just the best. Like your like your drumming faces are classic, bro. Like yeah, I love it.
1: <laughs> All my weird ass faces. Yeah. I still do it, dude. Hell I, yeah. I
0: still do that shit. Hell yeah, those were freaking classic. So I um <laughs> so yeah, so like I said, you were you were in a bunch of different bands and um just an impressive ass drummer. Um Thank you. How many bands have you been in, really? Dude, I'd say like that's another thing I've lost count. Um,
1: you know, I've 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 gathered a reputation in Minneapolis as uh as like the flakiest drummer, I think, that's ever that's ever <laughs> lived. Cause I have a I have an unfortunate reputation that I'll join like a fucking sick band at like a very early stage in their development, like before anyone knows what's up. I guess and maybe it's like there's like some Maybe I have like a weird intuition about bands looking at it in this angle like I start I you know I find out bands like back in the days I would like find a band really early in the state like the Isles was a perfect example Roster McKay perfect example like when I when I tried out for Roster they'd only been a group for like less than a year and they weren't even really a band yet they were like they were like coming out of being like an acoustic trio so it was just Drew and Mike and Alex and they had experimented with like you know drummer and a drummer and a bass player for hire but they didn't really they weren't a band yet. Um, but I don't know. I guess I always find these bands really early on, and that i I go hard with them and then we develop it like, and then a year in or two years in, I'm like, all right, guys, I'm out, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm on to the next thing, you know, and and maybe i I don't know why. It's not that i I don't love every single band that I've played in and i and I love all the the players I've played with. Like, you know, they're all my brothers and sisters that I've, you know, mostly brothers, but um, yeah, it's I've probably played for like at least twelve bands over the years, if not more. Um, That's like consistently. Rock. And I've gigged with probably over a dozen more. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a ride, dude. Yeah, I I and they're all different genres too. That's one thing I've always been really like, you know, adamant about playing with just any kind of genre that i can you know like you know i remember todd from the Isles, like a couple i don't know maybe it was like six years ago it was long after i was out of the idols he was he was playing he had started like a like a cover like a country cover band like a country rock cover band and he hit me up and he was like hey man like you know i know it's been years but i don't know if you'd be down to play like a couple gigs with my cover band you know we're like doing pretty good and playing this whatever playing this bar gig and He's like, would you be willing to come rehearse? And he's like, just to let you know, it's like pretty much country. And you know, he didn't expect me to be like cool with that. And I was like, eh, you know what? I was, I've never played with a country band before. He was like, do you know any country music? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> so <laughs> I went into the rehearsal, dude. He sent me this whole list of songs. It was like all this pop music and country music that I I'd really never heard. And uh, you know, because I don't really keep up with with pop, as, you know as much as I should, and uh, especially in the country realm. And uh, yeah, so I just like. Dude, just grinded through these rehearsals and I was so out of my element, dude. Like his band was like, bro, like, where'd you get this? Like, where'd you get this drummer? You know, because I just didn't fit at all. But, you know, I I brought my own flavor to it. I think Todd really liked it. But I was, you know, he likes he likes the weird, the weird vibe that I bring to bands. So um, yeah, long story short, I played two gigs with them and you know, it was weird. I didn't play, I didn't play like to the record at all. Like I was like. I was just like making stuff up his band. Like I remember his guitar player kept looking back at me like, dude, what are you doing? That's not how the song goes. (laughs) And I'm just in the zone, just like having a good time. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just like to play. I've, I've played with a bunch of groups. So it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a nice ride.
0: Well, and you talked about how you, you bounced to, from band to band. Is that partially maybe why you started making your own solo music?
1: Yeah, it really is. I, I, I think, you know, the whole time, like from the very beginning, I I wanted to write my own music. You know, even in my time at McNally Smith, you know, 2007 through 2009, you know, I went there to study music production and and audio engineering. Well, actually, originally, when I moved to when I moved uh, when I when I took the tour of the school, I actually tried out for the drum department. I didn't know anything about engineering or software or music production. Any any of that, all that stuff was completely foreign to me at that point. I'd never stepped foot in a studio. Um, So, you know, all I, at that point, all I could think about was drums. So I went to the school and I tried out for the drum department and, you know, long story short, I tried out with Gordy Knudsen, who's like a god of drums in in the Twin Cities, Um, you know, famous drummer. And he was a, he was the head of the drum department at the time. And I did my, you know, I did my, my tryout with him and he was not uh, happy about the fact that I did, I could read music. Because you know, go, when you when you get to a college level, especially in music, like especially if you're playing an instrument, it's you know pretty much like standard that you have some music theory knowledge like leading up to that. Because when you get to a college level, like you're playing like pretty intense, and you're learning, you're spending a lot of time in the theory world. So for him, he was like, "Yeah, dude, you're like, yeah, you can play the drums okay, but you're not a professional drummer yet." And I was like, that hit me hard, dude. Like that hit my ego hard. Cause I went in there thinking like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to be the best drummer at McNally, blah, blah, blah. And Gordy was like genuinely unimpressed with my tryout. He was like, yeah, it was okay. Like it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, he didn't like really make his, his hairs go up on his arm, you know? And then he was like, Hey, what's your theory? And I was like, zero. And he was like, really? Like, how did you get this far? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just here. So. After that, I ended up just kind of wandering around the school, and I was like, you know, I was kind of just uh, kind of feeling down, like, oh, you know, I came all the way up here. Maybe that's not what I'm going to do. And then I ended up just kind of wandering into the studio department and uh, into the recording area, and, you know, they gave me a quick tour, and I was like, holy shit, like, this is amazing. And I saw the MIDI studio. I saw, like, you know, the main studio, and they and it completely flipped my my whole lid, so I like that day I switched. I had tried out for that. And then I ended up getting into that. And yeah, since then I spent those next two years, pretty much focusing on you know, obviously pro tools, same stuff that you did at, at, um, at uh, NPR um, or IPR, sorry, not NPR, IPR. Um, yeah. So that's really where I started, but then, you know, I kept playing drums and I kept playing with a lot of bands. So that was, that was still, you know, something I wanted to do. I was playing with groups in funny enough, the ironic thing was once I like in my second year at McNally and I started meeting all the other musicians like Kevin Costangue and, and Trent Barstool and all the other heavy hitters that were there at Ruben, you know, Ruben Rodriguez and all of them, they started pulling me into the ensembles, you know? So I wasn't even in the drum department and I was beating out drummers that were like trying to get these like fusion jazz, like the high level, like senior fusion jazz ensembles. Like I remember, I remember Ruben Rodriguez pulled me into one of these fusion ensembles once and bro, I was so out of my element. Like I was like, it was hard for me because I was playing with with him and like really good players, like, you know, Gastangue level players and, and you know, I couldn't sight read. So we were playing all these like fusion jazz things with like changing time signatures and all this stuff. And dude, I had such a great time. Like it, to this day, you know, it was, it was, that was such a big learning experience. But, you know, at the same time, I was learning ableton you know i remember i remember stumbling across ableton like version two and they had it on one computer in the in the media lab and no one used it no one knew what it was like i was like really really early on like stumbling onto it it wasn't it wasn't maybe past version two but it was like one of the early ones and that was really the first time i was like that that changed my whole life bro as soon as i started because i was using cubase and I was using the MPC 2000, so that's really kind of where I got my gears was like using the MPC. Um, but man, once I started diving into Ableton, that was 2008. It just changed everything for me. So yeah, I, I, to answer your question, I think I always wanted to to write my own music. I think all that stuff kind of led me, you know, to to the place around you know, I think it was around 2010 where I started like really like writing my own beats and and you know wanting to put out my own music.
0: That's dope, yeah, because I remember hearing that you were doing that, and I was like, oh, shit, that's fire, and so some of you, like, like right away, I, when I started hearing your earlier beats, I was like, damn, Scotty, I mean, not only can you kill it on the drums, you're killing it on this, too, and I had already been, I think, eight years deep at making beats at that point or something like that.
1: I remember coming to your home studio, like, way back, dude, When and, and uh, you were the one of the first people that showed me uh, Reason. I had never seen Reason before, and I remember you were, like, a master of Reason, like, Way back then,
0: yeah, dude. I mean, the I, reason I don't really use it as much anymore, I still have. I have, you know, like the previous version, not the latest version. But um I, I'm mainly Logic Pro and Pro Tools now. um But Reason is is the shit. Still, I mean, I I have so much love for that program. I I love going back into it and just just fucking around with it, cause cause yeah, that's how I got my start, bro.
1: Dude, I actually I actually bought the most recent version of Reason, and dude, it's sick. Oh yeah, it's it's sick. I, yeah. I still don't really like sequencing in it, but or it's not that I don't like it. I just don't really know how to do it that well. Dude, some of the synths they have in there in the samplers, I'm like, man. Yep. I, I bought it just so I could use it for um for sampling.
0: And it's dope because you it you can use it as a VST in yep. um in Ableton or like whatever. I use it in Logic Pro all the time. Sick. Sick. It's super dope. So, bro, forgive me for asking this. But I have never heard you say it. So how do you pronounce your stage name? Is it Faded Ion? It's it's
1: Faded Aeon.
0: Faded Aeon. Okay.
1: Yeah, or Eon. I guess I I guess you could pronounce. It. I don't actually don't know the. I actually don't know if I know the correct way to pronounce it. Because because Aeon is like with a A or with whatever that you know A E O N. It's like a, it's like a Greek thing. I think as far as I remember, it means um one million years in space time. So it's like an Aeon is like one million, Oh yeah one one million years or a billion years maybe? I forget. Um but it also has another meaning. I, I think it means something else because it has like a mathematical meaning and then it has like a Greek mythology like thing. Um I'm trying to remember. I'd have to look it up. I should know it, but it's it's been so long, you know how it is, man. You're just nowadays you're just trying to find a stage name that someone else hasn't taken already,
0: <laughs> yeah, straight up I mean i don't i i' d- I doubt there'll ever be another B c so um as much as as much as I've tried to and wanted to change it, you know, I have my nice guy moniker, but um i i don't I don't think I'll ever change bm c I'm just I'm stuck with it it's been it's been twenty twenty plus years I think i got that nickname from a friend right before I moved to Maple Grove. So um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever change it. But I I, I like your name though. Um, so uh, how many projects have you released now under that moniker? I have three full length um, albums, I guess well, three EPs, whatever you wanna call them. Question for you,
1: What, what differentiates an EP from like an album? Like I know it has something to go back to, I know it goes back to vinyl, the vinyl days, but like in the context of like digital music, I know people still call things like EPs or, or LPs, but it's just like a digital release on Spotify.
0: I don't know the exact, uh, like, you know, I don't know the exact history behind it, but, but yeah, you're right. It does, it does stem from the, the right, the vinyl days, but, um, an LP is like a, you know, full length album, which is like, you know, generally speaking 10 plus songs. Um, an EP is like five songs or less essentially. Gotcha. So okay. it's it's a okay. body, it's a like an EP is a shorter body of work essentially. Got it. Um. So I think I think now like in order, because the reason I don't know if you r- remember or know, but um, Kanye produced like a series of of albums that were like seven songs, um, but those were considered LPs because he, the reason why he chose seven was was so he could be like grammy nominated essentially cuz supposedly you can't be grammy nominated with eps oh so and so i think i think i think i so essentially i think i think eps are 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 six songs or less gotcha okay so and then lps are you know anything longer than like seven or you know plus
1: interesting i've always wondered about that so i guess essentially i've released three ep or three lps so um, yeah. And it's, and I've also released a B tape. So I, I kind of, um, you know, I want to, I kind of have this like sampling experiment and to be honest with you, like the, the world of like hip hop sampling, and I'm sure you have a lot of insight into this has always been kind of like a murky territory for me because specifically not the process of sampling, but more so like releasing sample based music. Cause I know that obviously you have to like clear samples and you have to find the artists and like pay them. And that whole process seems like ridiculously complex and kind of like kind of crazy and i've always wondered like there's no way that every single artist that's sampling music that's releasing it is going through that process i have to assume like a lot of them are just sampling and releasing it and just like whatever happens if it makes money then you know if they get sued or whatever all right cool i'll just pay the whatever so i've always wondered like i I haven't really spoken with a lot of other like producers who do a lot of sample based music for instance one artist i really like is flamingosis you ever heard of him Uh, Yeah, I think so. So like his music is like sample heavy. It's pretty much built like entirely on samples. I'm pretty sure he only adds like drums, bass, some keys, but his all of his music is entirely samples. And like not just like little bits here and there. It's like choruses and stuff from like famous soul records. So I was I just wonder like how artists like him like release all that music and don't get like any backlash or any kind of you know. So anyways. On that subject, I re- you know I released an, uh, 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 a a sample based like album, but I only released it on Spotify. Or I'm, I'm sorry, not on Spotify, but on SoundCloud. So I didn't put it on any like platforms where I could make money off of it. I just put it as like a free, and on and on Bandcamp too. So you can download it for free. It's like a free thing. So I'm just like, all right, if I don't make any money from it, then no one can sue me. So, yeah, I I, I guess if you want to count that LP four, um. That's, yeah, so I've released four so far. And um, I've been pretty consistent. You know, I've been doing about one, you know, one album per year. Um, And I've been producing other stuff, too, that I've been putting into, like, sync licensing portfolios and stuff. You know, usually beats that, like, don't really fit the narrative of an album that I'm working on. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I've actually been thinking about creating another alias, like, so I can release, like, other types of music that doesn't really fit into, like, the Faded Eon, kind of, like, that lo-fi, chill hop kind of vibe because because that's one thing i've noticed too like when artists try to like do too many genres under one name it's like becomes ambiguous and then you can tell like it's hard to it's hard to focus and get people like a core group of fans or listeners i should say so my you know i was i was speaking with my my other musician friend recently he was like dude just create a bunch of different aliases and just release different kinds of music under different aliases like you know, and and then I started looking into all the like you know EDM artists, electronic artists in Europe that do that. You know, like fucking I, Amon Tobin has released like music under like four or five different aliases that like
0: rarely people actually know. Going back to the sampling thing, uh, I do have a little insight about it, but I mean, I've been sampling now for probably like sixteen, seventeen years. I mean, that's kind of really how I I got my start was was chopping samples and. I'm still, you know, I went, went to IPR, learned about, you know, all the intellectual property stuff, but it's still kind of confusing. So, I mean, with sampling, it's like you, I mean, no matter what you should get permission, but if you're not moving like, like 10,000 or more units, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to stop you. Um, but now, I mean, like SoundCloud even has it, uh, but Spotify and like all those um, digital distributions, if you don't change the pitch just right and you don't flip it the right way they'll they'll flag it and it'll 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 get taken off. Um, but I know that like even before the streaming stuff, I mean like all the all of atmosphere stuff in like the early like late 90s, early 2000s, I want to say up until because they started making all original music like in t- 2006. But like the previous, you know, I don't know, fifteen years that they were making music, they never cleared any samples. Um, and then I want to say like around two thousand five, when they started getting big, people started coming after them because they like literally, Ant the producer in Atmosphere sampled fucking everything. Like I mean, all he did was sample shit, and they never cleared shit. That's hip hop, right? Right. But but I mean, they're still standing, and they're still those albums are still being sold. So um I mean I don't know what their you know fee ended up being or like what happened but it didn't didn't hurt them really I mean as far as like I could tell you know so they just started making sampleless music after that and um so yes yeah, so sampling is still like a like a gray area and I feel like a lot of people are 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 scared to touch it but um I I you know, I'll flip samples as long as as long as nobody knows and like you know, it's it's all good. Like I mean, it 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 just it depends on where you're posting it. It depends on how you're doing it. Um, and it depends on like how many you know how many hits you get. You know, so I mean, if if you <laughs> if you may get a huge hit off a sample, then they're gonna you know want to want to cut. But it, but it's gonna be like a probably a either a cease and desist type situation or they're going to just start taking 50%, you know, once they, once they catch it.
1: I mean, honestly, dude, and I love the process, like sampling itself.
0: It's a beautiful art form. Like,
1: Oh yeah. It's a whole other art form. Like honestly, in the, in the production world, like, you know, I, I, I I consistently dig into producers and artists who are like really unique samplers. Um, you know, like who's a, who's a really good example of that. Like, like RJD2. Yeah. Like that dude is like, It's insane, like his process and how he, yeah, and how he how he matches sample pitches and he can hear like similar keys and similar chord progressions and like fuse these two songs together with vinyl samples. Like, dude, like if that's not an art form in itself, like I don't know what is, you know. So yeah, I I I really want to do more music like that. Um, and yeah, it's just a fun it's a fun process. I've always been a little intimidated by like the post, like just releasing it. Like, oh shit, if I get in trouble, so. Yeah, now now hearing you talk about it, I think I'm gonna like intentionally like just do some more sampling, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, but like I said, you got to be careful with uh, like where you release it, and um, you know, always always alter the pitch. You know, always like alter the pitch and yeah. you know manipulate it in ways to where their like algorithms can't really track it, um, just so it doesn't get taken off of any sort of platforms. Um, that's what I would cool. suggest because I've definitely had. Friends who have who have sample stuff and it's just gotten taken down right away. And I I've had actually my you. uh my mixtape that I released um like six years ago um that got taken down. Oh shit! But then I re up re uploaded it and now it's it's still sitting up there. So I don't know. It, it's weird. I think I think sometimes people people are bitches too and they they fucking report it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you know they'll they'll be like oh this has a sample or whatever because I think that's what happened to me. So I think they fucking um reported it but yeah i i feel like sampling still gets a bad rap but that that's how hip-hop was built yeah like it was built off of sampling and that's how you know i i i still am huge with sampling i mean i i know minimal music theory but um but i mean it's i've done it for so long now where like i just i know how to like like blend two songs together i know how to make samples fit you know i know what works you know but that is my process is like is taking loops and samples and and chopping it up flipping it and you know uh changing the semitones, all that shit like adding effects whatever you know that that's my process mm-hmm. i'm not a you know i'm not a classically trained musician by any means i don't know how to i still don't know how to fucking play the piano um or really like Same. any any instrument really. Um, So, yeah, man, I I hate that that sampling still gets such a bad rap.
1: I think the more we educate ourselves and, and just appreciate the process, man. I mean, especially as a producer, I don't know if you feel this too, is like the deeper you go down the rabbit hole of like, you know, just anything, man. Learning, like getting more proficient with a DAW or getting really into like EQ techniques or pretty much any kind of like technique that any... Any of the hundreds of rabbit holes you could get into a in music production, like synth, you know, synth program, like modular yep. synthesis, or you know, like proper compression techniques. What's the you know difference between analog and digital algorithms? Like you could go down these rabbit holes all day for years, right? And and then you know you naturally you know you progress and you learn more and more and and your proficiency grows, right? With with the software platform that you're in. Right, so naturally the mind kind of gravitates towards like, okay, if music isn't like, I don't know how where I'm going with this, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm trying to focus more on just like the music. Like, I don't even care how people get there. Like, I used to kind of like troll on people that had like really uh, like a like an overly simple process or like, oh man, like you know, like they didn't like the mix was horrible. Like they wrote this beautiful song, but they didn't like take the time or they just like mixed it horribly or just I don't know. I'm trying to think of a of an example. Like, okay, here's an example, right? So, Deftones is one of my favorite bands in the whole world. Like, they can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. But they released an album called Gore. Like, I want to say 2017, 2018. And, dude, I don't know, bro, to this day I listen to it. And I've had to listen to this album, like, a bunch of times to, like, change my perception of it. Because the Mm -hmm. first, like, couple months I was listening to it, bro, I thought it was just, like, garbage. Like, I couldn't believe that they released this album. And not because the songs were bad, but because like whoever recorded it and mixed it, dude, it sounded like it sounded like a first year IPR student, like recorded it at a music school and then like tried to mix it and
0: then released it. Like for reals, like, like go and try and listen to one of the songs. That's why I couldn't get into lo-fi at first, bro, because a lot of lo-fi just sounds like it's just mixed so shitty
1: but in there lies a crazy thing like it's done intentionally. Yep. Like so when I went and like researched the band or researched the band's process on that album, it turns out that they intentionally like went into the studio, recorded it all to tape, all pretty much like raw like raw as hell and like almost all analog equipment. Obviously they did it in pro tools, but like they intentionally wanted it to have that that grittiness, that kind of like that underproduced like it was just like kind of going back to their core, their their roots. And same with lo-fi, dude, like, you know, I, since then I've did, I've dove into that lo-fi process and the funniest I most ironic thing is now I'm using like plugins that are intentionally degrading the sound, like adding, like basically running it through like cassette tape, emulation plugins and like tape, em- you know, cassette or, uh, analog tape emulations, you know, adding flux deep, you know, messing with the pitch, um, adding like white noise, like to simulate cassette tape, like, the fact that people are making plugins, like very sophisticated plugins, in order to bring us back into a lo-fi space, I think is just like the funniest, most ironic thing. But um, yeah, you know, that's I'm kind of just trying to just enjoy like music, you know, more Same. like the, you know what I mean? Like after a decade of production, you know, it's really easy to become like cynical and and kind of judgmental, you know? And I see a lot of other engineers and producers that kind of just turn into these really judgy like cats and i'm like yo man like we can't forget that like music is just a beautiful thing and it doesn't matter how you get there yep as long as the song hits and it hit and it hits you and and it means something you know it might not be the coolest or whatever the most complex progression like for me personally i'm trying to like break out of like you know i've gone a couple years like trying to learn so much about jazz theory and like learn how to you know put together like the most complex chord progression so i can make music that like gastangue would write you know what i mean and then I hang out with him and he's like, bro, just like write something simple. He's like, dude, the, my favorite songs are like two chords, you know, hearing that come like hearing that from a guy who's like the most ingenious piano player I've ever known in my life that could play like literally anything to have him tell me like, yo, man, like I like songs that are simple a lot. Yep. I'm like, damn, like I would never expect him to say anything like that, but it's real, you know, it's like, doesn't matter how complex it is or how you get there. It's just music is meant to, to feel good. Or meant to feel something. Yep. Whether it's good or bad or or any kind of emotion on this on that spectrum, it's meant to just feel.
0: Yep. And that's that's what I've realized too. I mean, especially with um with hip hop in general, and I I talked about this briefly in the last episode that I did, but um, because because the last dude that I I talked to, he talked about um like how I felt about about rappers that don't write their own lyrics, and we we kind of um got into you know. Like I, I thought about like why I really like music, and you know, I, I went through my phase of like only underground hip hop, you know, no mainstream shit, this and that. But now I'm like, if it slaps, it slaps. Like if it, it, like I'm all about vibes now. Like if it, if it has you know some sort of vibe or some sort of sonic quality or just something about it that that I, I like, you know, I'll listen to it. So like I'm, that, I'm into so much different stuff now that i probably wouldn't have fucked with like 15 years ago because i'm i'm way more open to different processes and techniques and just sounds in general and and you know up until like i mean i i remember i was at ipr and i was talking to somebody i, I don't remember that so, lo-fi got brought up and somehow and i'm like i'm like man i just i can't get into lo-fi it's like they're shitty mixing on purpose like it's like they're (laughs) they're just because i I, you know i'm i hung out with mingy bro like mingy makes the most like like high high quality like beautiful mixes that you'll like ever hear in like the rock and hip-hop space you know and like i just came from that school of thinking so i was like i was like oh i just i can't get into these shitty fucking mixes and but then i had to just really just like like dive down and and people were like comparing my beats to lo-fi back then too and i'm like I'm like i don't you're saying i i'm shitty bro <laughs> like like <laughs> come on <laughs> i'm like i would i would get all like pissed off about it but now i'm just like nah like it's a style it's a it's a flavor it's a you know it's a vibe you know it's 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 all about just like you know finding a process that works for you and making the music that you want to make you know
1: honestly dude even for me and i and i exist like in the lo-fi space. I mean, and it wasn't ever my intention either. It was just kind of like something I fell into and I started listening to more music like that. And, you know, obviously when you listen to a certain genre and you and it and it hits, you kind of start gravitating towards it. And, but, you know, even still, like I don't, when I listen to some lo-fi and I'm like, bro, like this, especially when they run the whole mix, like drums, everything through, you could tell they run it through like one cassette tape. So it literally, t- which is honestly probably the most genuine reproduction of what tape sounds like obviously like when you're on a cassette you're running it's like a stereo mix for me um i i kind of have a weird i have a different process with it like and i kind of joke with some of my friends like they kind of they call my music mid-fi which i think is like a funny thing because like doesn't exist but like i have hi-fi elements and i have lo-fi elements in a in a mix right so like typically like i'll run certain elements through tape emulation or i'll have different cassette tapes like different buses i have different like different cassette tape emulations with different settings, right? Some are like more harsh and some are less, some are just there to like add saturation and low end and like some of that tape warmth. Cause that's one thing I really like about tape emulation is it it's really awesome for like drums, bass, like anything in that bass, like that sub to like low mid range, it just gives it this, this like warmth, this, this beef. That's just like, so, so dope. So a lot of times I'll just run stuff through there just to get that. And then I'll have other ones that are like intentionally have like, you know, interpolation in like, you know, weird, like, you know, a lot of flux. So you get that weird pitch wave, you know, right. So, you know, for me, it's like, that's kind of where I like try to put my music. So it's not all the way lo-fi and it's not all the way hi-fi. It's like somewhere in that middle space. So, you know, and I kind of have a weird thing is I want shit to be to sound crisp and clean and, and clear, too. You know, because, you know, I don't know, maybe that's just my, my that's just a process I've developed for myself. But yeah, I definitely know how you feel. It's like isn't that funny how what people tell you nowadays, oh yeah, it's like lo fi. It's like it's a compliment, but really right. it's like <laughs> like yeah, my my, my, my
0: my vic suck or exactly. It's like it's when it's so it, funny, it's so true. When I used to draw back in the day, like, um I quit drawing when I met uh our our friend Seth McPhee's brother Josh um because he was uh, and seth too i mean they're such like brilliant artists and like in in my school in cali i was like i was the fucking like shit you know with drawing and then i I moved to minnesota meet josh and josh is like the kid (laughs) drawing in class that everybody's like yours is dope and josh was like you know i i quit drawing basically after like after that i was like i can't compete with this shit and josh was like i hate that you quit i was like yours because it was like abstract and I'm, I'm like that's not what i was going for bro like, I, like I, I was really trying to get like to get like you bro like i wanted to have like a a clear picture but it just came out all wonky and and josh would, you know it would he would be like complimenting it but i'd be like no nah, that's not what i wanted but you no know, i mean it just reminded me of that like in exact like like that just so like funny. somebody means it as a compliment but you're it's not exactly what you want it to be so you take it as like offensive you know
1: it's interesting i guess it's like food you know i i'm more and more kind of comparing music and food together you know as i like learn more about the culinary arts it's like because we all you know we all perceive like flavor differently like one thing might be salty to one person and it might not be salty to another person or like with spices and with different flavors right we all have different tolerances and different perceptions of flavor like what is flavor you know like what is music like what is good what is bad like you know so the more i think about it like that i'm like fuck like you know it's it's funny like it's just it's it's whatever it is you know um yep i i just, yeah and the more i try to look at it in that light it kind of helps me like just kind of grow as a as a as an artist and as a musician i think to just kind of yeah just stop I, I really just over the you know you've you've told me this so many times over the years like stop overthinking bro (laughs) you're like maybe one of like a lot of people i have to say like many many people my close friends you know fellow musicians and producers over the years i've been like told me the same thing like dude you overthink like your process like way too much like stop overthinking and i honestly probably would have released twice as much music as i have over the years had i not been overthinking my process every step of the way and getting myself down and like quitting and then starting up again like almost selling all my gear because i was like I'm a piece of shit i don't i don't got it i don't got that you know i don't got the talent i still do those thoughts still come to me like you know unfortunately i've learned to like kind of flip it before it affects my 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 output but it still gets me sometimes i'm like you know i find myself comparing myself to other artists other producers who i want to be like who i want to sound like and you know people I really admire or just like hearing people that like, sometimes I'm like, you know, I get cynical. I'm like, Oh man, this artist is killing it. But like my mixes are, are better. Or like, I think I'm producing like just as good, if not better productions yet. Like I, I can't seem to get any traction, you know? And I'm always looking at that Spotify numbers. I'm just like, fuck, like what am I doing wrong? But at the end of the day, it's not because of any of that, it's just like, it's just music, dude. Like, yep. you know, if I'm not getting something out of it, it's because I'm not, Putting enough into it, yep. Or because I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself out of doing putting putting myself somewhere where it gets uncomfortable, yep. right? So like I'm, you know, dude, like it's crazy, like ten over ten years as as a musician and a producer, and I'm just learning the shit, like now, you know. So you know, I'm I'm like yelling that stuff off the rooftops to every other artist, like young, you know, every time a young producer comes to me now and they ask me for advice, I'm just like, dude, don't overthink your process, just. Just have fun. Yep. Just have fun.
0: That's crazy that I told you not to overthink things because I'm the captain of overthinking. Like, uh, may, may, and I, I think that I often find myself, like you, like telling younger you know, producers not to make the same mistakes that I make. So that's probably why I told you that. Because, I mean, I've come out with a total of like three full projects, but I've been making music now for 20 years, bro. Like I should have like ten by now, bro. Like I've come up with three full projects, and I mean I've 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 you know done countless albums for people on my record label and you know other other artists and stuff like that. But of my own music, like I am the biggest overthinker. I'm the biggest self-critic. Um, I'm finally like I I I think I'm kind of announcing it on this, but I'm gonna make a formal announcement um i'm going to release a new song that i wrote um for my mom um finally like no. and i i don't no. think i i haven't released like anything on like like an official streaming platform in years so i'm finally going to do like an official release of a song cuz cuz like it's coming together and i'm like having all these like breakthroughs with my production and my like my own like i'm trying out new vocal like techniques Mm -hmm. and um different tuning effects and vocoders and all this shit and i i just like had this breakthrough where i'm like holy shit like i'm i'm loving what i'm creating now finally and i'm like you know I, i i still i'm still really a lot of people like my mixes and i and people come to me for mixing but i still i still compare myself to other like people when it comes to like mixing and shit so I think we're always going to be our biggest critics, especially when we have, like, the taste that we have and we've been doing it for so long and we care so much about the craft, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I think that's what it is. It's just it's just caring. We care too much.
1: Yeah. And, you know, not that comparison is bad. It's, it's positive if you allow yourself to grow and get better, yep. right? Like, obviously, we're always going to, like, when we're learning, we're always learning from other people who are better than us. You know, whether what you know, I guess not better, but just more experienced, right? Yeah. Because better or worse is a is a is a relative term, relative terms. But but you know, we're always learning from from a wiser, more experienced individual in in the space that we're in that we're learning in, right? It's a positive thing. But when we allow it to hinder our process and to and to make us turn inward and be like, oh man, like we're never gonna be good enough or whatever. That thought process goes out, that's where it starts to turn. So yeah, I think, you know, comparison is good, but but you know, like you just got to allow yourself to grow and, and 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 just keep doing it.
0: There's a saying and I can't remember what the saying is, but it's like comparison is the thief of joy or something like that, and it's it's really true. Um I don't know if that's a, the exact expression, but um I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, we we need to just be just fall in love with the process, you know, and, and just have fun with it and enjoy what we're creating. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think I've finally allowed myself to do that. And, um, I mean, especially since like the, the song that I wrote recently has to do with something that's very close to my heart and I, but I found myself making the beat for it um, right after my mom passed or like starting it and like crying as I was making the beat and then um it was stuck in my head for days and I was like, man, I love this beat and then I finally sat down to start start writing lyrics. Like it, this was over like months of of time that I've been like working on this song and I sat down to write the lyrics and as soon as I started writing, I started crying as I was writing and then as like I started uh, recording and nothing was coming out and I was just like, I, like nothing was coming out the way that i wanted it to sound and i I was like i was trying to sing it and i was like it was just sounding off and i'm like this is not sounding good this is not how i want it and then i'm you know i'm i'm fucking around in my um in my daw and i i start putting plugins on and i I I tune it and I, like I found this effect and then like all of a sudden I heard it and I started crying because it was like exactly what I wanted it to sound like and I was like it I didn't know that my shit could sound like this this good you know and like I think it's just it it's just being in love with what you're doing and like and um trusting what you're doing and you know I I I guess just being fulfilled with it you know I think I think that's um that's what I'm finding again I'm finding being like being fulfilled by creating I mean it's you know it's kind of going back to that whole thing like you know why
1: why we're writing a song and how we want to get to the end product right like obviously when you start a song like most of the time I'd like to think it comes from an emotional place right obviously sometimes we're like okay I got hired to do a track or I you know whatever the case may be, if you're, especially if you're a professional producer, or musician, like out there doing it as like a commodity, you know, obviously you have like goals and you have to produce like a certain amount of content. So, you know, I could see going down that road, like it's not always like coming from like, okay, I'm like feeling something I'm trying to portray in a song. Sometimes you're just like, I need a, I need a rock pop, or rock pop tune at this tempo and I need it to be three minutes long, right? So, but for me, I mean, I guess when you're like, and I guess it depends on what kind of artist you are. Um, you know, for me, I I really, especially for my my solo project, like every single song that I put on my on my albums, like has a very important place, because most of the time, like the eight songs that end up on that album started as like twenty five. You know what I mean? And I've either not, and I never delete stuff anymore. I used to, but. <laughs> I would just think like this all the stuff that didn't make it was just garbage. But now I find other places like sync licensing and stuff to funnel it into. Um, or I just put them in a in another folder and I'm like, okay, if I get to an album that has that vibe, then I'll then I'll maybe funnel them in. So sometimes like songs that I end up releasing, I've actually written like years prior, right? Sometimes. But anyways, they they, they typically have like a very important like emotional core or like a a root system that they've come from, from, from me. And it's kind of the reason why it takes me a long time to finish songs, you know, but in that, I, I tried to look at it, like, especially now, like really recently, because, you know, years back I used to start a song like, okay, what plugins do I want to use? Or like, you know, I, I just want to use some like technique that I'd learned off the internet that I was really excited about, like some kind of like weird effect chain or, you know something very specific like technical specific right or like i knew that i i wanted a specific genre or 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 something but it was very rigid you know sometimes every once in a while i would just like stumble across a sample or like like you know like you said you would just hear a melody or you would just feel something you would just open up a session and like boom you open up just just throw a random synth in there or like whatever and like all of a sudden you're flowing, like you're letting your intuition lead you and you're not thinking about like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. You're just kind of like, you know, sometimes you just float into a sound. Like you've probably done the same thing. Like you just float into a loop yep. and you're just like, fuck, like next thing you know, two hours goes by and you've literally been listening to the same loop, but yep. it's so good. It's like, so, it's like hitting that core. It's plucking that heartstring string so well. You're like, man, like you don't even want to like change it. Sometimes you're just like, man, I, I need to turn this into a song. But you're like, I could just listen to this and have this be like my audio mantra if I if I really wanted it to be. So I, I really enjoy that process. Like, and it's it's something you can't force, but you know, every once in a while you get lucky, I guess, and you just you just let your intuition flow and it leads you down a path where you get end up writing a song that really that really hits deep with you. And those songs from my experience end up being the ones that hit the deepest with other people. You know? Yeah. Like the songs that I've released that really hit that that even still I listen to him and I, and I cry like shit about my mom like dude my whole my whole album These Fleeting Moments was pretty much written like you know from in 2017 I was like I don't know it was weird because it was like years after my mom died but I had never really like I'd never really gone through like a grieving process you know like like we had a funeral and I was just fucking like I don't even remember it I was like like, fucking blacked out, like, sober blacked out, like, I can't even remember it, and for years after that, you know, like, I, I really, like, locked up, like, I mean, not to get too personal, but, you know, I was, like, I was, like, with a, I was with a girl at the time, we were, like, in love, and, you know, I, I wanted to marry her, dude, like, I had, like, I had, like, a fucking, I had a wedding ring that I, that I was ready to get to her, and I, I remember, like, my mom was, like, You know, maybe a few months before she passed, like I told my mom, you know, I was like, mom, I think I'm gonna ask this girl to marry me. And she was so excited, you know, and then once my mom died, like everything fell apart. And like, I I just didn't know how to deal with it emotionally. So I locked up and I ended up losing my relationship and came back to Cali and I spent a couple years just like, just kind of, you know, just floating by, just depressed, you know, and It wasn't until I moved back to Minnesota, I moved in with my cousin, you know, I was in a dark place, man. Like when I went back to Minnesota that round, I was like dealing with a lot and I felt really isolated, really lonely, you know, felt the weight of getting older, you know, just a lot of longing, like feeling like longing for something, like longing, like missing my mom or just missing like an old life. You know what I mean? Like thinking a lot about my childhood. Like I spent a lot of like 2017, just like dwelling on my childhood a lot and what kind of triggered me to start writing these fleeting moments was um from 2012 to that to that year like my stepdad basically kept all of my mom's belongings like i literally i got nothing pictures like no like you know i'm not talking about money but just like her belongings like her stuff that she owned like that most people take with them and it helps you remember right like little tokens or totems like i i got none of those when my mom died, it was just like I had nothing but a, like a single little picture of her in my wallet and my memories. Damn. So it was like hard and it went like that for years. I didn't have anything. Like I used to just go in San Diego. I used to go to like old parks. Like I used to go to places that we used to go to a lot and I would sit there and just fucking cry because I just needed to remember. I just wanted to keep her memory alive as as long as I could. Like I felt like if I forget, then I'm going to have nothing. She's going to die forever, right? So that, that terrified me. I was like, fuck, like, you know, if I don't have kids and I don't have stuff of hers and pictures of, to show them, like, how am I going to, like, how am I going to tell my kids about my mom and how much she means to me? Right. It broke my heart. I was like, really, really struggling with it. And, and I lost, I lost uh track of my stepdad. Like we had pretty much like distance from each other. Like after she died, it was so emotional for him. And for me, we both didn't know how to deal with it. So we both just basically cut ties and we didn't talk for years i had no idea where he was i'd have his number or anything so like years later my grandma was like hey have you talked to tom my stepdad and i was like no i don't know where he's and she's like oh you know here's his number i guess he moved to some other state and he started over so i got his number from my grandma and i called him and i had talked to him in years it was a really really hard phone call you know it was it was weird he was like shocked to hear from me he was like hey like how are you So I was like, hey, man. And I was like, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I was like, I don't want anything from you. I just, you know, I was just wondering, like, if you have anything of my mom's that I could have. And he was like, dude, like, that's so crazy because I have this like hundred pound box of all of her pictures, like her, you know, Polaroids and all the pictures. Because my mom used to take pictures everywhere. She always had one of those disposable cameras in her purse, like everywhere we went, everywhere she went, she was like taking little pictures. My
0: mom always took tons of pictures too. She
1: always loved it. she too. She collected them, made photo books, right? Yep. So she over her life, she'd made like, dude, like 25, a full dude, like full yep. of those huge fucking books, right? Of pictures. Dude, going all the way back to like her childhood, like her marriage, when she was in college, like everything. She'd saved everything. So my stepdad mailed me this hundred-pound box of pictures. Like, dude, pictures I'd never seen before.
0: That's amazing.
1: Of my whole life. Like it was crazy. So I broke down, dude. Like I started, I remember getting in, I, 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 I opened the box and I spread them all out across my bedroom floor. And I spent like a week, dude, just like going through all these pictures, like one by one, sitting with them, like all these memories coming back to me and just like crying and just like remembering my mom. while it's like, Oh my God. Like, it was like, she was alive again, you know? So that really was like, fuck, I need to like pour this. I need to process this shit. Like I I, I need to do something. So I started, dude, I just started writing beats. Like I, I kid you not. And I've tried to write, like I've tried to duplicate that feeling and that process again. And I can't, it's just like, I was in that space and I had my studio set up in my room. So I just like started just writing those songs and it was like flowing out of me. It was like, dude, that was the quickest album I wrote. I think that whole album, actually, no. I mean, it took me like, I guess no. it took me like a few months, but it was just like, it felt like it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And those songs, dude, like even now going back and listening to them, like they mean a lot to me, dude. Um, You know, memories of Mum was one and, and uh, may always reminds me, you know, like every time may comes around, like I always think about her and I wrote a song about that feeling. So yeah, like to make a really long story short, like, you know, it's, I think they have to come from a place. And now those songs, dude, are like the most popular songs that I have. Like yeah, people, bad. dude, people from across the world, dude, like people I've never met, like they'll usually find it through some like sync licensing portfolio and they'll be like, yeah, dude. And they'll put it in a YouTube video or whatever. And then they'll message me and they'll be like, yeah, man, I found your music on whatever. And and they'll send me this whole story, like how it made them feel and it helped them. it reminded them of something from their childhood or like, and like, dude, those are the kind of messages that I get that like really keep me doing this shit, you know? That's amazing. And it's not like all the time, you know, maybe a couple times a year I'll get, you know, a message from someone like from Japan or from Brazil. Like someone from Brazil recently sent me this message, like, dude, I just, you know, I could tell he like translated Portuguese to English because was, like broken English, but like just beautiful, man. Just a just beautiful messages, like heartfelt, you know? And it just kind of it reminds you like the connection that that we have as human beings. And this whole yep. like I don't know what music is, dude. Honestly, I try to sit down. I'm like, what is music like? It's crazy, What is this man. like thing that we hear and it makes us feel things and like, you know what I mean? It's like, and it's like a timestamp for memories. Yep. Have you
0: noticed that? No, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's it's nuts, man. I mean, and especially like hearing you talk about that. I mean, you know, because I can relate fully, having just lost my mom. Um, but I, you, you had mentioned like starting a song from just like a loop or like a sample. And that, that's Mm -hmm. what I do like in my spare time, like, like when I'm having anxiety or depression or whatever, like I'll, I'll sit and I'll like listen to new loops and I'll like sort through sample packs and I'll download free sample packs or like I'll, I'll buy packs off splice or like whatever, like I'll just go through sounds and like, you know, just try to get inspiration or just to organize my sounds. And I, I downloaded this pack like, like a, like a week or two after my mom passed and I, I hadn't created anything yet. Um like i hadn't even worked on a beat and it was i think it was probably like 2 weeks cuz i think some time a little bit of time had gone by um and i heard this one loop and i was like it it i knew exactly what cuz it if it felt like what i felt like it, it like had this like this like sadness about it but it was like it 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 had like this lightness to it at the same time and i was like i was like it's 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 extremely sunny and it's extremely hot it's june and i just lost my mom june is usually like when i'm like at my happiest because it's you know the sun is shining and like it's nice in minnesota during that time and i i knew like melancholy sunshine i was just like that's exactly what this song is and what it, what it needs to be and that's what i ended up calling it and hearing you talk about the what was it something may you said
1: uh may always reminds me is yeah tune off of yeah. um that album yeah these fleeting moments yeah it's 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 crazy dude it's yeah it's i don't know i i feel you man i mean sometimes it's a sample you know during that process actually that was one album that was the first album i made where i didn't sample anything oh wow it was and i played i played all the instruments myself like the piano the bass the guitar the drum i programmed the drums um uh everything was 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 performed uh by me that's dope and that's the only one i've done thus far that's like 100% like that um you know so it's like simple melodies yeah. you know for me a lot of those songs just started with one chord i would just pull up uh, pretty much every single one of those songs started with like a grand piano and I'd just pull up a grand piano patch, and I would just sit in my room, and I would just like find a chord or two chords that were like as close to what I was feeling as I could as I could find. Um, and a lot of it was really melancholy. Obviously, if you go and listen to it, it's like you know a lot of them kind of feel like not sad but not happy. Dude, have you ever seen on that? Have you ever seen a documentary called Alive Inside? Have you ever heard of it?
0: I don't think so. You should
1: you should look it up, dude. I I, I watched it recently, and I kind of stumbled across it on an online um, forum. I was I was uh, I was reading about Alzheimer's and I kind of went down like a rabbit hole you know I I was just really interested in 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 Alzheimer's and and then I started learning and finding uh, research papers relating music to as a therapy for Alzheimer's and then I stumbled across this documentary which I believe was made in like I think like 2010 2011, maybe 2012 um, it's A documentary they made where they, basically this guy, he was a, and I forget like what his field of study was, but basically he got called in by a a colleague who was running um, a a retirement home, right? Or not a retirement, but, you know, basically like, like a, you know, I guess retirement home, right? A lot of people there with Alzheimer's though, like, you know, a lot of people were in his care that were suffering with Alzheimer's and didn't have a lot of family members. So they basically just become wards of the state and you know just living in this in this in these places. And the more you research, you know, just in general, like the the population over 65 in, in the United States, you realize like how many people end up just like lost in the system. Like families just like put our we put our elders in these in these homes and we expect them to get care and we pay the bills for them. And it's cheaper than, you know, we don't have the time. Everyone's working two, three jobs. You know, no one has the time to take care of their elders. Like back in the days, you know, our elders like lived at home or, you know, they were they were given more of a, there was more involvement, like families lasted longer, you know, you had, and I've noticed like now in American culture, you know, we, we, we're so quick to put our elders like in these places where they just have no story to tell. They're just there and they get, then they just basically get drugged up and they're just fucking refrigerators for the elderly, right? Just wait till they die. It's kind of sad, you know, so that that whole concept like really messed with me, you know, I was like, damn. So I so they this guy was going into these homes where, you know, there were like really, really bad cases of Alzheimer's, like people that hadn't spoken for years. And no one knew anything about them or where they came from. And there was one particular gentleman that it starts, the documentary starts, and he was um, African-American gentleman, uh, probably in his mid to late 80s, Like really, he's been around for a while and he'd been in this home for like many years right and he had no family you know one one lady i think it was like his the main uh the main nurse who had been taking care of him for years she was like i've known i've been taking care of this gentleman for years and i've never i don't know who, if he has any family he's never he's only said like three words to me like this guy is like completely just complete vegetable right like fully like alive but fully just in a comatose state like you'd see him he'd just be sitting there like you know, eyes open, but just just gone, right? So it's like extreme Alzheimer's, where you just forget everything. So anyway, so not to give away the whole documentary, but this guy went in there, and he started experimenting uh, by bringing music in for, for people. And he would play, he would like, you know, try to learn about like what era, you know, like, okay, depending on their age, like if they were like in their teenager years or 20s, around this decade, around this year, like what was popular music around that era. And then he would download the music and he would like bring like custom playlists for these individuals, depending on their age. And if he could talk to them, then he would find out like, what do you like? Right. So for this gentleman, he kind of just, he couldn't communicate with him. So he just kind of shot in the dark. He found a bunch of like old ragtime jazz uh, recordings and he puts it on an iPod. He brings it into this into this place, and this footage was like, even though the documentary was made in like 2011, this footage was from like early to like early mid 2000s, like 2005, 2006. So, by the time they made this documentary, this guy had been doing this research for years, right? So they started, all, they went back all the way to the beginning, and he started finding that like as soon as he put this music on, he would, and they do they filmed this transformation, dude. They put they put these headphones on this guy, and he plays this jazz song. And this guy, for the first time in years, he like, he like blinks. He's like, right? The music like woke up his mind. Like it, it like woke him up. I
0: think I did see
1: a clip of this. Yeah. This is the clip they used in the trailer for it. And this guy is like, and he's just like smiling fucking cheek to cheek, dude. Like for years, this guy hasn't moved. Like, boom, this song just woke him up. Right. And all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember this song. Oh yeah. This is my, this is my stuff. And so he's like, "Oh shit, okay." So he's like, "What else do you like?" And he's like, "Oh man, I, I'm so so-and-so and so and so and so's." And you know he's naming off like you know artists from the, from that era. So a guy goes back and he goes and looks up these artists. He plays another playlist, brings it in, boom. So this is happening a couple sessions in. This guy's just like awake and he's getting up. He's dancing, right? He's getting on his feet. He's dancing. This guy hasn't danced like they've never seen him get off of, off of his chair, right? So this this process wakes this guy up. All of a sudden, he starts talking right he starts talking about his life he's remembering his life he had he, like memories that they can, that they probably thought were gone forever were deep 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 in his subconscious but the music was the key to locking unlocking his subconscious and accessing those those memories especially with alzheimer's you lose those those connections in the brain over time so those pathways to access those memories basically get severed as fo- as as so we thought Prior to this research, we thought that those connections were gone forever. There's no way to rebuild them. Turns out, when we hear music, especially with Alzheimer's, depending on it, like music becomes, as we, as we move throughout our lifetimes, the music and the songs that we hear and that have emotional responses with us actually become like memory placeholders, right? So like, you know, you ever hear a song from like your childhood that like, like fuck you just can't help but just cry cuz you like oh, it brings you right back like you can smell everything that you could smell back then yep. you could see like details on the wall you can remember everyone that was there everything what you were thinking at the time like what you were feeling at the time you know it's crazy dude like how how music has is like is that for our brains right so yeah it turns out that that guy was a jazz musician back in the days and he was like semi famous and over all those decades, like he lost all of his family and got lost in in translation and no one remembered. And he just became this guy. But it turns out he could have been like just as famous as like he played with like all these famous jazz musicians. They went and looked him up. They went and like did a whole thing and they looked him up, all this history. And they were like, yeah, look, at this is him in this jazz band. he was playing with all, you know, all these big time players and just crazy, you know. And they wouldn't have known his legacy had they not had he not heard that song. That's crazy. You know? So then, yeah. So then the rest of the documentary, they're taking that same process and they're going across all these different retirement homes and people that are just suffering with Alzheimer's and they're playing music and it's like, boom, it's waking people up and they're doing, they're doing like, like research on the brain, like brain scans. And they're seeing that the brain is actually repairing its own synapse connections. Wow. Like, like, like what the fuck? Right? So, Dude, that, that documentary, dude, it had me crying like a fucking little baby. Like, I bet. Like, just seeing the power that music has, like, emotionally, especially, like, I don't know, I just, I, I imagine myself, like, getting to an age where, like, you just can't remember anything, and you've lived this whole life, but you can't remember yep. it, and there's no one in your life, You're all your family's gone, like, you can't tell a story to anyone, like, that's really, like, the main, I think, you know, when you get to that age, if you live to be that age, like, that's... When you can't tell your story, like what do you have? Yeah, you know. So that shit just blew my mind, dude. I've been telling everyone, like, watch that documentary. Like, it it changed my whole perspective on music and and on just on being a human, like on our on our brain. Like, I just started learning and researching, you know. And and now I've been experimenting because my my grandmother has been unfortunately showing slight signs of memory loss. So I've been like trying to send her. Like, I literally mail her CDs. Like, I, I had to buy a fucking, I had to buy a CD burner, dude. Oh, shit. I kid you not. I had to buy a CD burner that and, and get an, I got an adapter for USB-C. I had to buy, like, two different adapters yep. to get it to work with my laptop, bro. <laughs> you know? And I'm, like, surprised that iTunes still has the function to burn CDs. But apparently it does. And
0: yep.
1: so I've been, like, mailing CDs to my grandma because she doesn't have, like, internet or anything. So she just has, like, a lonely little CD player in her kitchen. So I'll send her, like, music and stuff just to help her, you know, just to help her remember, and she loves it, you know?
0: That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I have, like, memories associated with with so many – I mean, like, every everything in my life, like, every major event in my life has some sort of song attached to it. So, so, I mean, that totally makes sense that that opens up, yeah. you know, yeah, memories from that because, I mean – for example, when my mom passed, I mean, do you do you ever like attach a? a few, I mean, you listen to a lot of instrumental music, so you probably do. Um, but do you ever attach like a, a memory to just like like a vibe, and not necessarily like say that a song has lyrics, but the lyrics have nothing to do with like what's you know what that memory is. Do you do you ever like attach memories to to? songs that have nothing to do with
1: Yeah, I mean, funny enough, like recently a song that's been fucking just dude, just uh oh. just getting me is um Good Days by Siza. Oh, nice. Love that song. And I didn't really listen to SZA at all. Like my friend recently turned me on to her and I, I I I dude, I'm like pissed that I've been sleeping on her for so long. But that one song in particular, and I went back and I listened to to is it uh what's her first album it was like v-, v or
0: something? Yep yep v, uh, it's like a mixtape. yeah and then, like then i a got or two
1: yep and then i got um i got uh what was her her most recent work um control
0: yeah i think that's what it's called yeah
1: y- yeah and do great albums you know but for this one song in particular and my friend sh- my friend turned me onto the song first it's like the first song i heard and it's funny because i i and I know that song is like about like longing and heartbreaking it's got a kind of nostalgic feel as far as the lyrics go but that song, like, brings me into... It reminds me of a whole different thing. It doesn't make me think of, like, past relationships. It really just makes me miss my childhood yeah. a lot. Yep. Like, it makes me feel like a little kid, like, thinking back. Like being. It makes me feel like I'm an old man thinking back on my life. Yep. Like, on my deathbed.
0: Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It's weird. And it's just, like, the vibe. I think it's, like, the guitar. It's almost got, like, an acoustic guitar thing, like... And it's the it's the it's the chord progression. It's like, yeah, it's it's such a good song in my opinion.
0: Well and I, I the reason why I asked that is because uh the, there's a song that um like I I've really fuck with Lil' Nas X. I know he's got a bad rap with a lot of people, but like I, I fuck with his music, bro. Um and he came out with this song called uh Sun Goes Down, um on his on his album and it's you know he he talk, actually actually talks about childhood and getting picked on and stuff. but i was I was listening to to that song in particular, like when my mom was was like in the hospital and, you know, during her last days and stuff. And for whatever reason, like I could not get enough of that song. But now every time I hear that song, I just immediately go back to like that place. and like, I just cry, even though, like the lyrics are about, you know, childhood and like getting bullied essentially. Um, but like, it, it's weird how like your brain kind of just ties things together in in that way. And, and you hear like vibes or like different things that, that bring you to like different memories and, and stuff like that. So I definitely can relate to that. I know you've been listening to music since you were like probably as far back as you can remember. Oh, for sure. I know
1: you're like, you know, music head as soon as you could fucking buy tapes. I know you were like yeah. buying tapes. I was the same way. My mom, funny enough, was like a huge music collector so i feel really fortunate i know not unfortunately not a lot of not all kids grow up this way where you're like exposed to music and different kinds of music at a really early age because you know some people have parents that don't really listen to music or or don't think it's a big priority or don't see a value in it or or restrict what their kids listen to or they're only exposed to what they hear on the radio you know so for for us you know for me at least i can speak for myself my mom growing up in london she she was really really deep into the music culture um i mean she she like she had a weird phase where she was like hanging out with only people from jamaica she was just like completely enthralled by jamaican culture and my mom didn't smoke weed by mind you at all it wasn't about weed or any like rasta culture she just loved loved reggae music and She ended up like dating this reggae DJ who was like tied in. So she was going to all the like reggae nightclubs and she was like going to flea markets and buying like all these dub tapes, like cassette tapes that were like random reggae dub mixtapes. She collected all that stuff even after she brought it all with when she came to Cali. So when I was a kid, I remember like getting my first like cassette tape Walkman when I was like, fuck, I was like five.
0: I was probably the same age.
1: Three or four, maybe five. It's before kindergarten. I remember having it in kindergarten. And at that early age, like, dude, she was passing me tapes. Like, I, I had, like, a whole collection of tapes by the time I was, like, six, seven years old. And then once I graduated to CDs, it was just, like, another addiction. I was yep. just, like, at that point, you know, I would, you know, probably same for you. I was taking all my allowance money. Yep. She would take me to, like, you know, Sam Goody or Circuit City or or any of the other, you know, Tower Records. Yep. And it was, like, a fun thing. It was, like, a fun thing because she would go buy music, too. So it was, like, a fun thing that we connected on. And she used to really encourage me to, like, listen to types of music that I wanted to. She never restricted anything or rarely restricted music that I listened to, um, you know. And, you know, fuck. Like, I was listening to music that, like, dude, think about, like, thinking, like, if I had a kid, like, a fucking impressionable eight-year-old kid, and he was listening to fucking Limp Biscuit and, like... yeah. And like all the fucking bullshit that I was listening to that I thought was cool back then. Yeah. But my mom was so open-minded and she would listen to this shit with me. I yep. remember making her listen to Deftones with me, like fucking full blast in the living room. I would put Deftones on, like White Pony. And she loved the Deftones, dude. Like I turned on to the Deftones and she fucking loved that band, you know? And I, you know, I got her into like all kinds of weird shit. And then she would turn me on to like, you know, she she got me into 80s new wave because she was, you know, being from the UK, she was really big into like, Depeche Mode and the Smiths and Dope. and um you know te- uh, Tears for Fears and all those amazing groups from the 80s. So I got exposed to that stuff really early on and I got exposed to reggae dub music really on or er, really early on. So for me like you know I I really love parents that like expose kids to music you know at a very dynamic level really early on because I think that's when your brain is obviously most impressionable. That's when you're yep. a kid. That's that's when your like emotions and your memories are all being printed. Your brain's just printing these memories and these emotions and these lessons like crazy. Everything is so new and everything is so fresh, you know. And I feel like music is such a big part of that. Like if you look at if you look at like indigenous cultures, like in you know different um, different variations of culture from different parts of Africa, and how much of song and music is a part of their development from a very early age. You know, we I feel like we've kind of lost. I don't wanna say we've lost it, but maybe we've lost sight of it in a way in American culture specifically. Yep. Like everything is so restricted and controlled and fucking, you know, parents are so scared like of everything that their kids are exposed to, even like the art and the music and everything. Yep. And, you know, I feel like I am who I am today because of all the music I was exposed to and all those like memories that, I al- that was allowed to imprint in me, you know, like, like, I don't know an example of and this is really embarrassing. So I'm embarrassed to all my all the internet out there. I'm gonna just throw this out there on nice minds right now. I've never I've never admitted this to another human being, or maybe like maybe one or two women over the course of my life. I'm ready. Life.
0: I'm ready, bro. Cause it's cause it's
1: cause it's like it's vulnerable as a man to say this. So there's an album, an artist and an album that like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, is like in the top three for me, like of all time, because of like the emotional place that it holds for me. And it's, it's Seal's self-titled 1994
0: album. Dude, no hate, bro. That, that shit is fire.
1: And I'm not going to lie. Everyone co- talks about Kiss from a Rose. That's my least favorite song on the album. Like, bro, Prayer for the Dying.
0: Like, Is that the one with uh, uh Crazy?
1: Crazy was the f- album prior to this. That oh, okay. was 1992, yep. 1993. Yep, right. Also a f- fantastic album. But the follow-up album yep. to that, it was also self-titled. I think, I, I think his first two albums were just called Seal. Or at least his second one. I forget what the one. I think the first one was called Crazy, actually, if I remember correctly.
0: Yep, I think you're right.
1: I'd have to go back and I'd have to go back and verify that. But I know his second one was self-titled. And I'll never forget, dude. Like my mom gave me that that cassette tape, and it was a it was an important album for her. Like in 199, she got it when it came out in 1994. And where she was at at the time, it's funny because as a kid, I never realized, like you know, as a kid, you don't know what your parents are going through in their personal lives. You just see them as like your parents. They're like superheroes. They can, they know everything, right? But looking back, like, you know, knowing what she was going through back then, like pre-divorce, like fucked up marriage, you know, like all kinds of marriage troubles. My dad was off doing his own thing, working all the time. They barely saw each other, you know, immigrants struggling with all that stuff, broke, trying to raise me on like little to no money, All the romantic stuff she was you know like her and my dad didn't have a very good marriage at all by that point their marriage was pretty much just held together by their businesses and by me so she was going through a lot and that album like when i listen to it now i like feel my mom's pain like i i feel her i feel what she was feeling because i know how much she connected with a lot of those songs so she like she passed this album on to me like when i was a kid i was like maybe eight I can't remember what, I don't know how old I was in 1994, but it was like 94, 95. It was like shortly after it came out. And I remember, I have this very specific memory. I remember I had my Walkman, and at the time I was like balls deep in martial arts. Like it was like my whole life. And I was going and doing all these like, you know, contests and competitions and shit. So I remember I would constantly go and do these contests in LA. So we'd have to drive from San Diego and drive up to LA to the convention center to do these like, to go to these like martial arts conventions and shit. So in the car, I'd be in the back seat and I'd have my headphones on. Like, you know, remember back then, like your Walkman was your fucking—it was like a part of your body. Like, yep. I didn't fucking go anywhere, bro. I had a whole pack of like batteries, like spare batteries. I had all my CDs or at least my top twelve that I was carrying with me at all times. You know, fucking—I had my headphones. I had my little bag for it, dude. That shit was with me everywhere I went. I didn't go anywhere without my music, right? So I remember being in the back seat with my headphones on and listening to that album. And it fucking dude, like it imprinted in me. It imprinted in my mind. Like I have like such specific memories of like being in the car and like and like getting to the contest and like listening to it before I would like go and do my routine. And now when I listen to it now, like at age 34, bro, I kid you not, like it's such it's such an acute emotions and acute memories. Like I could fucking remember what my ghee smelled like. Like I could remember what my gym bag smelled like. Wow. I could remember like what I ate before I went to my contest i can remember like bits and pieces of conversations that my mom had in the car you know what i mean and to this day i listen to that album and i can't i can't not cry like that shit it's like it it's weird i throw my whole spot like i'll be driving to work sometimes bro and i'll put like it's like in the mix of like my entire spotify like liked music like three thousand songs plus Bro, I'll just put my entire playlist on shuffle and just drive to work, just trying to get hype. And one of these fucking songs will creep its way into the yep. shuffle. And I'm just like in my car like, fuck. Oh. <laughs> and it just fucking ruins my vibe for the whole rest of the day. But kiss from a rose on the ground. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I don't like that. That song fucking I'm not about that song. That's my least favorite song
0: because it's just so played. But out. it's the only seal song that I could think of at the time.
1: <laughs> that is on that album, though. Yeah, that is on that album, though. But um yeah, it's it's a funny thing, dude. Like, you know, I don't know. It's I think if I hadn't had that experience, you know, like if my mom hadn't exposed me to that album and
0: and I hadn't placed those memories, like all those memories would be like fucking gone by now. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I mean, my mom was I've I've mentioned this on this podcast before. My mom was who exposed me to music. And I, I I said this on the last podcast, but my mom would always she didn't really realize until like her later years, how much she exposed me to music. Um, and in particular hip hop, cause she didn't th- th- think she liked rap. And um, I'm like, mom you used to bump like tone Loke and like Bobby Brown and like Nina cherry. And like all these like people that were rapping on their songs. Like she just didn't realize what the genre was. Cause it was just party music. It was fun music. And I mean, she exposed me to everything, and I'll, I'll, I'll embarrass myself. And I don't think I've ever told anybody this. Um, Madonna is was one of like like Seal is for you, Madonna is for me. Like in particular, her 80s stuff. Um, and I, I think of this one funny story because like I grew up in a in a party household. I mean, my parents loved to get down. And um, I I remember and I just told this story recently, so it's like fresh in my head um i remember this one night in particular and this is like not a fond memory of my mom but it's a funny memory nonetheless um one that i can laugh about but at the time i was like i was like fuck you mom but like um so i was like probably five or six um i was we were at my aunt's house in San, uh, santa barbara um and with the it was probably like eight o'clock at night. And I seem to remember, I I don't know if my memory serves correct, but it, it seems like it was my uncle that was DJing, but it could have just been somebody that we knew or something. But we ended like, you know, before I went to bed, like, like two hours before I went to bed, we ended up requesting Madonna and it was, you know, probably like six or seven at night or something like that. And, you know, hours go by that it didn't end up playing it. I fall asleep. And, I kid you not, probably at like one or two in the morning, they played that song, and my mom woke my ass up, like all drunk, and she's like, "They're, they're playing it, they're playing it. She made me dance on a fucking table to madonna at like (laughs) one o'clock in the morning i'm like crying like i just want to go to bed i don't care now (laughs) like i wanted to hear it earlier i don't care now (laughs) like and she's like no dance dance and i'm like i'm like no and (laughs) i just want to go to sleep but no it it, it's just hilarious because like that that was something like i was telling my aunt about that my my dad's other sister um and and I was just laughing about it, but, I mean, mem- like, all of my memories have something to do with music, you know, like, pretty much all of it, you know, like, from Christmas yep. to, like, like, you know, Nat King Cole, uh, White Christmas, I don't think I'll be able to hear that song this year, or, like, I'm gonna have a really hard time hearing it, or, uh, is it White Christmas? What well, whatever, ne- like, famous Nat King Cole Christmas song, um... Mm-hmm. I can't think of what the title is right off the top of my head, but there there's certain things that like 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 Madonna is going to be like a fond memory of of mine. But like like that King Cole, I'm going to probably just burst into tears and not being not be able to freaking hear certain songs, you know, because it's just going to be too painful.
1: Yeah, when it hits, it hits, man. Also, on the joyous side too. I mean, I know we've been talking like you know about you know sad memories, but like equally on the on the joyous side of the emotional spectrum too. I mean we also have to allow ourselves to embrace like songs that just make us remember really good memories and really good feelings oh, absolutely. too. You know? Um, I mean, it's just a magical experience, dude. I just think we have to really, you know, like share more too. You know, yeah. I've been, I don't know if you, I don't know if you experience this nowadays, like, because I know you were a crate digger too, or still are probably. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm like, would consider myself like a crate digger because I'm not as much of a vinyl guy, but as far as just like, you know, back in the days, I remember having like hundreds of CDs and I remember like trading yep. CDs with my homies, like, you know, like I'd find an album, like I'd find, I'd find out like a group or an artist that was like, no one knew yet. And I just like stumbled across it. Like sometimes I would just like Russian roulette. I would just go into tower records and I would just be like, Oh, this album cover looks cool. And I would just like roll the dice and I would drop 20 bucks on it. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, not every time, but most of the time it ended up being like sick. I was like, damn, it's actually pretty fucking cool. And, uh, and then I would listen to it and then I would share it with a homie, right? I'd be like, dude, you gotta check this band out. And would be like, oh shit, this shit is crazy. So you'd see that chain of reaction happen and then they'd share something with you you never heard. And you'd be like, oh fuck, dude, I can't believe I never heard this, right? And it like, you remember like developing friendships, like really deep friendships oh, yeah, over absolutely. like trading, trading music and sharing yep. stuff that you're listening to and like trying to break your homies onto new genres that you, that you're, you know, they might not listen to that much yep. or at all yet. And that was such a big part of our like development and like and and I feel like people don't do that as much because now that everything's like streaming service Spotify, yep. we have our very personalized playlists and everything's on our phone. And you know, we don't have a physical medium anymore to trade. Right. So it's like it's as easy as just sending a text message now. Yep. You know, so now I find myself with a couple homies, like I'm constantly like if I hear something like a song come up on Spotify or like an album I've been into, I'll like. I'll text it to like a dozen homies be like, dude, have you heard this shit? And they'll they'll do the same with me. So I always try to develop like, you know, that, that practice with my friends, even though it seems like it's more forced now, honestly, like with the whole Spotify thing, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you never really know if they listen to it or sometimes it gets lost in their text message chain or, you know what I mean? It feels almost a little bit more impersonal as much as you try to make it personal because you don't have that physical medium, I can't be like, hey, Brandon, like hand this album to you and be like, dude, right. like hear this shit. It's got scratches on it. Remember, yep. like the, you know, you get like a scratched up, and you know, and you and you'd be like, damn, you know that shit's good because they fucking listen to it a bunch, you know? Yep. So like things like that I kind of miss. But you know, it's it's just interesting. It's ironic to me that like we have like infinite music at our fingertips. Like as a yep. listener now, like the fact that I don't have to go drop fucking a hundred dollars every time I want to buy fucking yeah. five albums. I could just look it up on Spotify and I can listen to the whole thing and experience it and, and get all of that for fucking 10 bucks a month. I'm like, damn, that's, it's like an amazing thing. It's amazing time to be alive. But you know, there's always like, I guess the two sides of the coin, right? Like, it seems like we've lost so much of the, the, the real exchange, like the human side of, of it, you know, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes I'm like, I kind of miss the big labels. You know what I mean? Like, it's so weird to say that.
0: Physical CDs is how I learned about producers and engineers, bro. Because I would yeah. open up the 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 liner notes and I would read, like, yeah. produced by, you know, Dr. Dre, produced by Timbaland, produced, you know, all these. And, like, oh, this, you know, even, like, from, like, I would read about, like, on the, my Eminem CDs, like, who played guitar on this song and who did this and that. And that's how I learned about, like, how music was made, essentially, was was through, like, reading, you know, who worked on it, you know?
1: Yeah. Isn't it funny that nowadays you have to like intentionally dig for that information yep. and it's hard to find. Like it's yeah. not, it's not on Spotify. It's not on iTunes. It's not included on any of the streaming platforms. You, you maybe get it from Bandcamp
0: if they choose to add it. How has like the pandemic been for you? We didn't even touch on that.
1: I have to say,
0: I, I feel
1: very fortunate, very lucky that I had a very uh, pleasant Covid experience like as far as like last year when we were like in lockdown mm-hmm. i was very lucky because for one i i had a solid like home for one of the first times in a while i was sharing um i was sharing an apartment with my my brother from like my life brother alex steel that fucking dude is like one of the my favorite human beings the homie. on the planet he's the he's the homie he's like literally my brother like, I was on the phone with him the other night for like three hours. I can't remember the last time I talked to a human being for three hours other than right now with you, which I'm very happy to do.
0: Pretty much been almost two hours, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, so you know, luckily I was living with him. We had a nice place. We were just, you know, it was just him and I. He was working full-time. I was working remotely. Um, we had our home studio. We were, we both actually didn't drink alcohol for almost a whole year or very little.
0: That's what's so
1: up. We kind of set an intention for it. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to go sober. I mean, we still like, you know, smoked and whatever. But we cut alcohol out we got really healthy we were eating really good we were cooking a lot of food um because we obviously couldn't go out um yeah and just going through a lot of growth you know trying to like it wasn't easy a lot of it was really tough like the isolated part's really tough like not being able to date like both of us were single that entire year and like i don't think either of us got laid that entire year which was really tough for both of us i think um but through all that, you know, like, and we both were pretty healthy. I mean, we stayed pretty healthy. We we learned a lot. We were, like, constantly learning stuff on YouTube. Like, I was learning how to cook new things. I was making hot sauce. I was making all kinds of stuff. He was making kombucha at home. We were, like, we literally learned how to, like, cut each other's hair because we couldn't go to the barber shop. Like, both of our barbers were, were shut down. So, like, we're like, fuck, dude. We got to, like, like, I need a haircut, bro. So, we yeah. both went on YouTube, and we, like, we bought clippers and we were like giving each other like barber barber style haircuts and it was like we got pretty good and it became like a ritual for us, you know, like as roommates and as friends. It was like really, really cool and um it brought us together, you know, as like deeper in our friendship. So yeah, COVID was good and and luckily for me, I had my home studio, so I had music to fall back on. So, you know, I'm very thankful. You know, I I definitely felt the pain. A lot of people, you know, when we were going through it and Especially too at that first like that first couple months when we were like in hardcore lockdown where like everything was closed. When I don't know if you were like following that whole like live stream cover challenge that was happening on Facebook that that uh, Joe Scarpolino started. Yeah, I
0: think so. Remember that?
1: that where everyone was doing like those yeah. cover songs on there and Alex and I did a couple like live streams. Where we like performed, I think you dialed into one of them where we were like performing from our living room.
0: Yeah, it was dope. Yeah. So like
1: that part of like that part of quarantine was like the most intense because it was like no one could see each other. We were like completely isolated and.
0: Um, yep.
1: I could definitely see a lot of people. You know, a lot of other people struggling, like other people that were more isolated and didn't have like creative outlets to fall back on.
0: That's what I really felt sorry for a lot of people is like I was like, I'm extremely fortunate like like you said like having a creative outlet and just really getting a chance to slow the fuck down for me, you know, because I was like, I mean, my mom, I I took a break from like a lot of my music stuff for like a year to help my mom through her cancer stuff. But I mean, before that, I mean, for like five years, I was like, go, 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 go. Because I was like going to IPR, you know, because I started when I was 29, almost 30. And then I started my record label. So I was like always on the move. And like, it was exhausting. And you know, <laughs> I got to like slow down and like I, I got to spend a lot of time last year with my mom um you know b- before she unfortunately passed this year. so like I look at 2020 as like a completely bittersweet year for me you know it was like <laughs> a lot of scariness but a lot of growth and um <laughs> uh, yeah I I think th- I think it really prepared me for this year all the all the shit that I had to go through this year it, you know, the last year really prepared me. Cause I, you know, had a lot of hard, uh, I guess like looks in the mirror when, when it came to, cause I, all that stuff that was coming out too, with, with like all the racism and all the like, um, people that were being exposed for, um, like a lot, a lot of Minneapolis, like a lot of people got outed for, you know, all, a lot of like, um, uh, toxic bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I th- yeah. I think it, It made a lot of us as like as males in the creative space and in the music space, um, you know, look at ourselves differently. I mean, I'm not saying that like I really did anything wrong or anything, but I'm like, you know, you know, did was I, I I looked at myself like, damn, was I always advocating for women like I should have been? Was I always, you know, doing this and that? And like I changed a lot of my way I think about certain things, you know? And, and I think, I think it was, you know, as, as much as it sucked, I think it was a, a growth period for a lot of people in that regard, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, and I remember I, uh, and I have to bring up, you know, uh, rest in peace, George Floyd like that, that happening, like so close to home Yep. really changed my viewpoint about Minneapolis really changed my viewpoint about this country and about, about authority and about like you know, a lot of these systems that we that we typically f- rely on or assume right. are are wholesome and good or are there for the public good, and really have from what seems to be from their very inception been designed to to protect the rich Absolutely. and to keep people of color and 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 you know uh, people of poverty in that in that place yep. of fear and of um, you know. Of all the all the ne- all the unfortunate, you know things that come out of that. So, you know, I, it really just opened up my eyes to a lot, and I and I realized like a lot of my passive ing- ignorance, um, you know, through through my lifetime. And trust me, man. I mean, I I've 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 befriended people from all walks of life and from every part of the world. So I I personally have like feel hundred percent confident that like, you know, I love every human being if they if. You know, if they if they you know, if they're a good person, obviously. Right. And I love people and even I'll even love people that aren't good people if they're willing to to grow. Yep. You know. I don't I don't really think about you know, I'm intrigued by people's cultures. Yeah, me too. I I, I, I love I love different cultures. Me too. But then realizing like how much racism and how much of that shit had been embedded yep. into the society of Minneapolis, specifically the police force, and like learning about redlining and how like yep. a lot of neighborhoods like North Minneapolis was intentionally
0: created that way. I had to explain redlining to my dad because he had no idea that that was even a thing.
1: And and I just living in Minneapolis all those years, man, I guess maybe because when you live in the city, you kind of forget like what's outside. I mean, when you live in Minneapolis, it's a multicultural city. There's a lot of different things happening. But so- somehow, like all of that stuff, that's that sub level of of racism, like it's somehow just maybe gotten lost and so intertwined into things like so diluted. That you couldn't see it directly, but maybe like if you were acute to it, and I mean, and this is where my ignorance comes into play. If you were the victim of those of those of those things, you know, like then you were feeling it. But like you know, I just realized like I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't living the same experience as a lot of my brothers and sisters in the same area. My roommate, my my best friend Alex, that. That, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to put him on the spot, but he went through a very tough time too. I
0: bet. You know, if I can yeah. at least
1: share that much in his own experience, like in his own identity and trying to, trying to figure out like who he is and where he, where he, where he was in that, in that fight, you know, because I think he felt very conflicted at times from what he shared with me of like where, where he felt he needed to be in the conflict and in prog- in the, in the pursuit of progress. Mm -hmm. so you know that that really like opened me up to, to a lot of different ways of paths of thought and um so that was very tough that was probably the toughest part was seeing like all of the unrest in the city and and honestly dude like there was there was many nights like and days where alex was afraid to go outside
0: yeah like he felt like he felt like genuinely in danger and that's what's sad so many people go through that
1: yeah I mean, dude, we had, like, unmarked trucks, like, cruising around oh, northeast, yeah. like, knocking yep. on random doors. Like, we were yep. on the Nextdoor app, and people were like, dude, like, beware. Like, random truck full of white supremacists going around yep. asking to, like, enter your house. People still don't know about that, bro. People still th-
0: think that it's all these, like, like rioters. Like, that it's people that weren't from this fucking area, that were white supremacists, that were driving around terrorizing people
1: yeah coming from iowa wisconsin wherever yeah and driving into the city trying to take advantage of the unrest so and it was a and it was it was weird dude like it was hella weird like we you know we were trying to obviously stay fit so we bought i bought a bike like a like a bmx bike and he had like a dope bike so we were like biking around the city a lot so it was like our thing on the evening or the afternoon we would go bike around and dude even just like bike around the city dude we were like passing like you know mini riots and we would bike down to south and check out, you know, check out stuff down there. We a couple times we went to like help clean up on Lake Street. even just biking around, dude, like seeing fucking armored trucks and 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 tanks and like SWAT coming yep. through Minneapolis and just like seeing Minneapolis on the on the public on the public stage on a global level.
0: Yeah. On a global level. On a
1: global level, dude. I yeah. had people I had people in London. I had my grandma in the southwest coast of England. She's like, "I'm seeing Minnesota, I'm seeing Minneapolis on the news. Is everything okay? <laughs> I was like, whoa. You
0: know, yeah. like all my
1: homies here in San Diego.
0: I was talking to my my aunt from San Francisco all the time during it, and she was just like, what is going on? Are you guys okay? You know, that was tough, and seeing how it affected,
1: you know, my friends that were in the community in South Minneapolis too, that were kind of stuck, like, in the in the war zone, was you know that was that was a whole other thing so yeah it's been a crazy year bro it's been a crazy year good and bad you know like you said just kind of like everything um but you know it was uh i think i came back to san diego at a good time you know i i've been here for about a year now and you know it was a weird transition going from the midwest and then coming here like during COVID too like traveling across the country during COVID. Because, like, when you get to the innards of the country, dude, I was going through, like, these fucking backwoods, you know, parts of, like, you know, Montana. Oh, you went that way? Yeah, I took, like, a crazy scenic route. I took, like, a whole week to drive. So, I was like, I'm going to drive. Like, I wanted to stay off, like, major highways. I was like, I'm going to drive through, like, small towns and shit, which was amazing. I'd never really done that. And... Too, there were, like, parts of the country where, like, COVID didn't exist at all. That's crazy. To the, to, the to, their, to their minds. Right. No restriction. Everyone was just like, fuck COVID. fucking. And this was, like, in the height of, like, infections, like, in other major cities. So I was, like, nervous going through, like, these small towns with my mascot. People are looking at me like, what are you doing, outsider? And, you know, I was just like, whoa, dude. And then I would, like, get into another part of the country. Like, it was, like, other side. And they just, you know. It's just been a strange... It was a strange experience, you Crazy, know? Crazy, bro. But, uh, yeah, you know, you just got to stay positive.
0: What type of things are you doing to stay positive? Mostly just just working on music? Are, are you surfing?
1: Um, I was this summer. I'm trying to buy a new wetsuits. So I haven't been since it got cold, or the water got cold, I should say. I never really oh, gets yeah. cold in San Diego. But, yep. um, yeah, I'm trying to surf more this winter. Um, I just started working out. Funny enough, dude, like, this week, oh, I, nice. I started a fitness training. I've never... My whole 34 years of life, I've never been, like... Really, a gym guy. I've always thought gyms are kind of weird, and I've just never understood
0: I started at thirty four really working out. I lost like thirty pounds when I was like thirty four yeah sick
1: sick, dude. yes, yeah, so I just started. Um I have a trainer. He's amazing. His name's daniel. he's he's like a bodybuilder, like a co- competition bodybuilder. Um, I haven't really had too many sessions with him, so I can't really speak on my progress. But um, I'm just excited for the journey, dude, just to develop a new healthy habit that's what's up you know i've been going through struggles with depression you know for many years going through ups and downs and the older i get i'm getting better to identify it and learn little tricks but you know it still hits me hard sometimes and it still becomes you know every once in a while it hits me to where it's like hard to control and it's hard to maintain like my 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 stance at work and you know not to show my emotions when I'm at work, or when I'm doing other stuff, or when I'm just interacting yeah. with people, it's you know it takes over, and I end up kind of going inward and isolating a lot. And so I've been trying to work through that. So you know I've been I I, I uh, yeah I've been trying to embrace therapy, you know, for the first time in my That's life, changing my stigmas about therapy because I grew up with a lot of stigmas around therapy. So I've had a lot of you know friends and and some of my family members that have encouraged me and really really given me support. That's awesome. Um, you know, just changing how I look at mental illness, dude. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Like I've been so I've been so like ashamed to admit that I have a mental illness, that I have depression or what anxiety or whatever combination of things that most people seem to deal with. Now that a I lot realize of
0: people, it,
1: yeah, more more people than not, yeah. you know. And I think the world we live in today just ultimately creates depression. It creates anxiety. Yeah. Cause we're constantly competing and we're constantly comparing ourselves yep. and we're constantly just hustle, hustle, hustle. It's never enough money.
0: Literally just talking to my girlfriend about this the other day about how a lot of people that have never dealt with anxiety or depression have gone through that in the last like couple of years. Um, and, and realize yeah. that they had struggled with that and, or have a new yeah. struggle with it, which is, which is, you know, yeah. me and my girlfriend both have, had anxiety problems ever since we can remember i mean i was a child literally you know when i can remember having bouts of depression and anxiety so but i mean good for you man for for embracing it and seeking to get yourself help for it dude
1: it took so many years for me to even get around to like accepting that i need therapy or that therapy is like not bullshit you know, because I always like looked at therapy like that's a fucking scam. Like, why am I gonna pay someone to listen to my thoughts? Like, they're a just lot trying to make
0: They're just trying to make money, like work.
1: anybody else. Like, doctors are just trying to make money. Guy, at the you know, real estate agents are just trying to make money. Like everyone, like I had this thought, like everyone's just hustling. Everyone's just trying to make money, and nothing means shit. You know, no one really gives a fuck, right? And I had this like really cynical, like kind of negative perspective on 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 that and and healing in general. Not like necessarily healing. I mean, I was like, okay. I'm gonna do my own thing, and I'm gonna heal myself, and I'm gonna find my own process. But you end up in a closed loop. Yeah. A lot of times, you end up in a feedback loop because you're only you're only cycling through your own thoughts. You're not embracing new thoughts. So that's that's something I've really realized. Like holy shit! Like my I can't just like heal my brain on my own. I can't just be this like self sustaining island of 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 perfect human maintenance. Like a, no one is that. Even the most intelligent. Most emotionally intelligent people on the planet have need help, yep. and need to talk to other humans. It's just we're human beings; we're social creatures, right? So I'm like learning, like, okay, isolation isn't is healthy for me because I've always kind of reverted to isolation, so I can work through my shit, and then I disappear for like a week to two weeks, or end up like you know, with a, like with substance abuse problems or with alcoholism, you know, because you know that's another thing I've really realized in the last couple of years, like in getting more sober, specifically like stopping you know cutting alcohol out of my life not 100% but you know like 90 95% you know and i'm looking back on on the years i was a musician touring around and a lot of people don't know man honestly dude i was i was so good at i was so good at keeping my my vices like hidden from people like a lot of people don't know that i got hooked on oxycodones for a couple months in like 2016 oh damn I was doing them alone. I was doing them like I was all alone, bro. And I was I was fucking drinking every day. I was I was working a job that was so stressful, and I I I was I was just so miserable. And I I was trying to keep up this facade, like oh I'm a loan officer. I'm in the mortgage industry. I'm killing it. Everyone I'm everyone in Minnesota that was seeing my shit on Facebook was like, dude, you're crushing it, man. Like you're in the real estate industry. You're probably making so much money. And and on the surface, like yeah, I had the suit on and I was smiling and I was doing this and that. But on the inside, I was like fucking miserable and I was so stressed and. I didn't know where my next paycheck was going to come from and I couldn't afford anything down here. I was just fucking borderline living in poverty, but I was showing up to work in a suit trying to like fake it till I make it, right? And I was like, dude, I was buying fucking knockoff oxys from TJ over the counter. Like I was going on there like once a week buying a fucking thing of these and then bringing them back, getting Xanax. You know, I was like mixing oxys and Xanax. I was doing Coke and I was fucking drinking it's like weekdays, you know? I was like going to work, like trying to process loans, like fucking z- yacked out on oxy's and and cocaine, you know, trying to like balance, like trying to cut, take the edge off, but then keep my energy high. And like next thing I know, I'm fucking on all this shit. And and I kid you not, bro, like I cut, I I had to cut oxy's like cold turkey. Like I I literally cut. I was like one day I was like I realized like what I was doing, and I fucking cut, and I was like dope sick for like almost a week. I was like, I literally didn't leave my bed except to go to the bathroom for like a week straight. I was sick as fuck. damn. And I thought I was gonna die. like, you know, I thought I was gonna die. and I've and since I've I, and since I've seen you know several homies die from substance abuse and and because of depression, you know, because they didn't because they didn't embrace like getting help, you know, I've seen fentanyl tear, tear a fucking hole. Through the music community, through whatever substance it gets mixed into. I've seen I've lost way too many friends to that shit. Down here and in Minneapolis. And, you know, um, so I really hit a a point like, you know, like a year or two years ago where I was like really at the beginning of COVID. That's where I was like, fuck, like I need to just really, really spend some time like reflecting and processing all this shit that I've been holding on to for a long time. You know, because I realized like, you know, when I was playing with bands and touring, dude, it was like, as long as we were having fun and playing shows and we were on tour and we were in a different city every night, like I could just like mask it. I could just put it in the back and I didn't have, and I didn't worry about shit. As long as I just kept busy and kept playing and kept, and stayed fucked up. You know, when you're a musician, like everyone wants to party with you after the show. So people are giving you all this crazy shit. You know, I'm just like, whatever you're giving me, I'll take it, dude. Acid, mushrooms, whatever. So for like a solid five, six years, I just like did that and- and you know that shit catches up with you man you know so I you know I talk a lot with you know I I have this conversation with a lot of my musician friends that have gone through that tour life and have gone through being a you know a a a semi-pro musician like right in that middle space where you're like crushing it people think you're like making all this money and you're famous and blah 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 but you're really like yo man I'm just crushing it gig by gig just trying to get through the next gig and you know, you don't have a home. You don't have like a lot of time you don't have an apartment or anywhere to go because you're on the road so much. So you just like, you know, you just develop these habits. And um, yeah, so to, I guess to circle back to your question, I mean, I've just been really dealing with my mental health, like just really trying to, to learn how to love myself better, you know, because I'm realizing th- this year specifically, like I never learned how to love myself, dude. Like, yep. you know, I've been my own worst enemy my whole life and i've held myself back in a lot of ways either cuz of i've i've been afraid or because i think i'm a piece of shit or whatever the case may be none of that's true you know so now i'm just learning to like embrace like loving myself and treating myself better being easier with myself like giving myself positive affirmations consistently and then i can give and then i can love other people better you know yep. cuz i'm realizing like i've never been able to fully love anybody you know like i i'm like fuck like i have like all these people who love me who love who i am and they tell me and they're like dude you like but i felt like fuck like i still feel so isolated sometimes right like fuck like i have no connection because i haven't i realized like i haven't learned love myself so i haven't been able to love other people to the extent that i that i should or that i can so now that i'm learning that i'm like fuck man i feel like i just you know i threw away a lot of good years to 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 not dealing and and not Taking care of my mental health, so yeah, and that's why I have such a yeah. high respect for you and 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 Becky because you guys because you guys embrace that, and I know you're always like you created this this channel to encourage people to, yeah. to think more positively and look more positively at themselves and their own their own path and creatively or just in life, you know. And the work you're doing with you know at the at the home that you you were working at, you know.
0: Yep, i still still working there actually.
1: Still working, yeah, dude. I mean, just the years you put in there, bro. Like service of healing like the you yep. know giving your time and your energy to those people who need you like that's huge man like that's Thank a you. that's that's you know as far as i'm concerned you're like in the top echelon of human beings I appreciate you
0: know? that bro that means a lot so, to me
1: Yeah of course man I, I i wouldn't say if i didn't mean it so um yeah dude i'm i'm i feel so fortunate bro that i have that I have you people like you and and you know close friends in my life that have you know that have pulled me out of really really intense you know dark holes sometimes and Absolutely. uh you know just keep me just keep me you know keep me doing stuff like this and keep me putting out music yep. and and um you know so if I, I the way i look at it if i can just keep doing that you know as long as i can day by day my brother
0: that's what's day up day by man. day day by day you know?
1: you know i have to shout out to, to deploy too cause because um Joey Lopez man deploy if you guys don't know him he's one of my favorite hip hop artists i know you know him, BMXE. he's uh he's based in LA but he's got a big presence in Minneapolis and and not outside of being a hip hop artist he's like one of the most inspirational most intelligent human beings i've i've had the 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 i've been lucky enough to to cross paths with him and you know over the last couple of weeks we've grown close and he's shared so much knowledge with me dude like he told me something that i i've heard before but he told me something recently. He was like, bro, stop trying to like improve your whole life like all at once really fast. He's like, if you can just focus on improving your life 1% every single day, think about the amount of improvement you're gonna have at the end of the year. And like the way he told it to me, and then the timing that he told it to me was like, man, like it just it's like, dude, that's that's like so simple. I was like, just just improve your life, your perspective 1% each day. And I've really just been. Dude, I've been like so laser, laser focused on that idea, for like the last couple of weeks. You know, as I've been going through this, through this, you know, new therapy process. So, yeah, that that's something I can share with your listener base. I mean, dude, I just flipped my whole lid. You know, thirty four years, you learn something new. You know,
0: appreciate that, bro. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I, I think it's it's so crucial. I mean, I really relate to a lot of what you said. Um, as far as like how you viewed yourself. Um, I can't relate to the drug thing just because I, I realized at such an early age that I did have these anxiety and depression problems. And so for some reason, I always knew that if I, if I got into drugs, I would probably just go off the deep end and I would probably fuck my whole life up. So like I, you know, I was addicted to cigarettes. Uh, Um, I mean, that's one thing. And then like, you know, I, I I never really had a drinking problem, but, like, I would drink socially a little bit too often. Like, I would, like, need it. Um, but, I so I never really related to, like, the drug thing, per se, but, but as far as, like, you know, not understanding myself and not understanding why I have all these issues, because when we were younger, I mean, it wasn't, like, now people are starting to talk about it, and I'm so thankful for it, but people weren't talking about depression and anxiety and stuff like that, and and I had such a hard time with it because I was—I thought I was a freak. I thought I was like, uh, you know, an idiot. And like, I didn't because I didn't relate to like even like some of our mutual friends. That because like I would be going through some serious shit. Like I I was, um, I was medicated uh, all through like middle school and high school basically for like antidepressants, uh, ADD, uh, anxiety, different things. So they would try all these different things like Ritalin and. Um, at one point, I was prescribed to Paxil and Adderall, which, like, I, when I do more research, you're not supposed to mix that shit, especially at that, like, young age where your, like, mind is still developing. And I mean, and there was a time where, like, in the early 2000s, um, when I was, like, hanging out with, like, our mutual friends and shit, and I, like, was coming off of that shit, and I was, I fainted. And, like, after I came down off of this, like, this Paxil stuff i was like numb and i i it had permanent like damage to my brain and i can remember being like depressed and like numb um and like our friends saying like bro snap out of it like what, what's up with you and i'm like i don't know like i and i couldn't explain it to him and so I, i'm i'm so thankful that people are talking about this shit now and i'm so thankful to have a platform where I allow people to talk about it because that's why I I started this is because I, I I think that there needs to be more, there needs to be less of a stigma around it and people, people need to feel more comfortable sharing these things that I've suffered with like my whole life basically, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, I think sharing is important too. Just like you said, talking about it. I mean, like recently, and I, I, I know you probably saw my post. I mean, recently I shared on Facebook that I, I recently was diagnosed bipolar.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I went to a psychologist, and like, and I still have to go through like, you know, I'm still kind of going through the process of going to a different therapist, like finding finding a, a psychiatrist that I that I connect with and that I'm gonna go to consistently, but. Yeah, I went to a um, a psychologist locally. It was kind of, I was like in crisis and there was like the waiting list for all the, the therapists, in my network was like two months. I was like, dude, I just need to like talk to somebody like right now. I just need to figure this out because I'm fucking losing it. And so I talked to this lady. I went to two sessions and, you know, pretty quickly yeah, after hearing me tell my story about my childhood and all the different ways or whatever. She's like, yeah, you know, like, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty, like, pretty sure you show the signs of bipolar disorder. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, okay, like, what does that mean for me? And she was like, well, you know, you're most likely going to take, need to take medication. She's like, I can't prescribe you medication. But she recommended that I go to a psychiatrist. And she's like, you're most likely going to be prescribed lithium or something like it. So I kid you not, bro. And I can't, I can't, I can't name any names because if I, if I do, like she could get in probably in trouble, but she legit like gave me like, like two weeks worth of lithium that she had like in her desk. She was like, I can't prescribe this to you, but she's like, I have this. And she's like, I have for emergencies for patients that come in in crisis. She's like, if you take this, take like, you know, I think there were like 25 milligram uh, pills or something like that. So for like a week, dude, and I kid you not, this was like, this was like last week. I, I started taking this lithium like before going to work like like breaking the pills in half, so I was taking like ten milligrams of lithium or something. And bro, just just that alone, like, cause I've never been medicated. I I have no perspective. I mean, other than like the illicit drugs I've taken, like I've never been on like a prescribed medication, mm-hmm. right? Like Adderall, nothing. So, I dude, I can't I can't even describe the feeling like. It, like it turned me numb like you said like it turned me completely numb like i yep. couldn't feel shit like i nothing was funny like people were telling me jokes and i'm usually like a guy in the office that's like you know i'm funny and i like joking around and i do funny impressions or whatever or at least i think they're funny impressions um you know other people laugh sometimes <laughs> you know it was weird man like my co my coworkers workers were like come up to me like hey scotty you're like blah 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 hey did you see that show me memes and i'm like just like just yep. like I felt like I was like walking on like a like a waking dream, like I couldn't control. I was literally just like interacting, but like I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't like acutely like connect anything, and like it, like killed my short term memory. Like I was like forgetting like how I got to work. Like I was like fuck, I can't even remember like driving to work. Like I was I I had like a weird like blackout driving to work. I was like fuck, like I, how did I get here? Like I just didn't even remember. Like I like woke up and then I was at work. And this went on for like a week, dude. Like, you know, I was like, fuck, like I can't believe people take this shit like every single day. You know, I get I get it that it helps cuz it it took it took a lot of my sadness, like the intense like sadness, but it also cut all my high yep. my highs out.
0: Yep. That's what happened to me. That's exactly what happened to me. I cut all my highs. Like
1: I couldn't it was just yep. sh- right here in there. And and it was almost weird to the point where like it was almost weirder for my coworkers. They were like same thing, they were like, "Bro, what's up with you?" They were like are you okay like they thought i was like sad still and i'm just like no this just... right and it's weird because i was like fully conscious of this like fuck like i could see I was affecting me yep. and i just couldn't like i couldn't control it so weekend i was like you know i started to cut the dose i started taking a quarter that helped a little bit and then now i'm basically just not taking it anymore because now i'm like dude i need to like this stuff is yeah like it's it's helpful like when you're in crisis when your emotional imbalance is all off but like taking it consistently. Over a long period of time, especially if you're not taking therapy, it's just like, it's just putting a fucking damper. It's just oh, yeah, putting 100%. a it's putting a high pass filter on your on your emotional spectrum for life. Yep. And I'm not. I don't want that. I I, I want I want to feel things. I I want to feel all the joys, even if it comes with pain. Yep. You know. But I just realized after that experience. And I don't, and I, and I have no judgment. I'm not mad at the, the, the psychologist, forgive me. I think she, I think that, that person, I think they were just trying to help me. You know, they were like, what they told me was like, this will just take the edge off until you can figure it out. Yep. You know? So I think they were tr- trying to help me, but you know, I made a conscious choice to try to find a natural homeopathic route. So now I'm kind of, now I'm shifting gears and I'm like, okay, I'm going to. You know, I'm gonna start eating like lion's mane mushroom in the morning. Start you know experimenting with functional mushrooms. Um, I'm even micro dosing psilocybin a little bit, so I'm trying to spe- experiment with with psilocybin as a as a potential counter counteractant to to depression. Um, you know, just like exercise, more exercise. Like I'm yeah. like, dude, I work an office job, like I'm sitting around all day, right? I'm um, like cutting back on my on my cannabis, you know, because like I like I realize too, like shit, I've been smoking weed almost every single day since I was 13 and I'm 34 years old. Yep. You know, like, not like, you know, crazy, you know, joints like all day, but I mean, I smoke at least a bowl every single day of my life. That's
0: 21 years, bro.
1: 21 years, dude. Like you do anything that consistently, it's going to change your brain chemistry Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for good or for worse, you know, for better, or for worse. So, you know, granted, I personally feel like the benefits I've gotten out of cannabis outweigh some of the, some of the, some of the, the, the flip side of that, but even still, you know, I think it's good. So now I'm kinda like, all right, I'm gonna detox a little bit, cut it down, maybe cut it out, you know. So yeah, little little things like that. Um I've been I've been trying to, you know. But I it's weird, man. Like once you hear someone tell you that, like you hear someone tell you like you have this. Yep. It's kind of like it's hard. I didn't yeah. realize how hard that was gonna be to hear.
0: I bet. I mean, especially finding it out at such a older age like this you know because i mean i was i don't yeah i don't know if i would say i I was lucky but i mean i i like i said i i was diagnosed with you know depression and anxiety i can't even remember the age i would have to like look up my old medical records because it was probably like 11 or 12 or something crazy like that like i literally can remember what like little little like, having these, like, flips in my brain. And I, I I was never diagnosed bipolar, but, like, when I look back on it, I'm like, those are, like, bipolar episodes because I would just, like, my brain would flip and I would just have this, like, depression mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, where I would be, like, happy one second. And, like, I we have it on video, like, a couple times because, like, my mom recorded everything and, like, I recorded everything like as I always, like, ended up having a video camera. And there's, like, two, one when I'm, like, really little, like, three or four when I just, like, flipped. A, a script and just like start crying. And then another time when I'm like with Josh McPhee and like, I can remember like oh, the camera was rolling and he's like, bro, what's wrong? And I'm just sitting there like all depressed and shit. Like it's just always been a part of my life. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I think it's, it's, it's amazing when people do finally discover the, those things about themselves and like, uh, have a way to like, f- are figuring out ways to, to deal with them. Because it's taken me a long ass time to accept the way that I am, and mm-hmm. you know the the things that I've experienced and stuff like that. So, and I think embracing it is 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 crucial, and it's so important, man. So I'm I'm really proud of you, man. For thank you bro. for thank you in you know, all the work that you've done, with thank trying you, to bro. heal yourself in that regard.
1: Thank you, bro. And likewise, man. I mean, I, my only hope is that I can help someone else.
0: Yeah, same.
1: You know what I mean? I I, I... I I just want to I just want to pass it on you know because I haven't gotten here I haven't gotten here singlehandedly right you know you 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 probably helped me without realizing it you know even just with a friendly gesture or just checking in every once in a while or just commenting on on a post where I might be sad about some shit mm-hmm. you know I know over the years you've definitely done that like a bunch you you know if I put out some sad <laughs> fucking post and you'll be like hey man no you know you're all good love you bro and that like. Those little things. We just got to keep supporting each other, you know, as a community, as friends, um, you know, and and like you said, just drop the stigma of it, you know. Allow allow people to heal and support each other as much as we can without pressure, without judgment, um, you know. And also, like I, I'm realizing too, like you ever realize, like when you're when you're on the other side, like when someone else is going through something. Or, or even the other side, like if you're going through something and someone tries to help you, right? And they instantly like, like, yeah, I understand. Like they try to, you know, we naturally try to like connect by like using our own experiences. Like, oh yeah, like we want to show that I completely understand how you feel so I can help, right? Like we kind of like connect those two things. But then sometimes right. I'm realizing like, I think it's okay to just be like, if your homie's going through something, be like, dude, like I don't understand. Like I don't know what you're going through, yep. but I love you, you know? Like I have no idea. It's like, we, you know, we try to like create stories and, and pull stuff from our own past to try to like connect with other people's pain or other people's stuff that they're going through so we can relate and so we can help. We think that's the only way. But like sometimes like someone might be going through something that you've never gone through or it's just their own thing. It's very similar, but it's different. I think just embracing the idea that like sometimes we don't know what other people are going through, yeah sometimes we don't have to understand to help
0: yep. or to
1: be there of support, right, yep, like sometimes it's okay to be like, dude i i don't I have no idea what you're going through, completely foreign to me, but I'm here for you, you know Hell just yeah. just come to me when you need me, you know, and I think sometimes that goes further, you know. Like sometimes it has more weight.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as like over the years, man, I and like just offering you support here and there. Uh, I mean, I've just always just been a fan of you, bro. I mean, like it's <laughs> just you. been nothing but but good vibes with you, man. I mean, thank
1: you, brother. Thank you, brother. Likewise.
0: You you know, I don't I don't know what you were going through and like you've shared a little bit, but you've always just been nothing but a a good force in my life like like every you know when we've hung out and like you know all the all the times we've spent together over the years and just the the exchanges man you've always been like a positive light and like i said like like some of my fondest memories of my my 20s were were watching you perform and and drum and like those were some of the funnest fucking times man i've just always just i've always just been a fan of fan of scotty zaker bro (laughs)
1: Thank you, brother. Likewise, dude. I'm, I'm so proud of you, Brandon. I'm, I'm, I'm so like elated and proud of you for what you've accomplished. Like, especially in the last couple years, dude. Like building all this stuff, just and dude, how you've you know. I remember and and I'm gonna share this because you know because I've known you this long. Like I remember a time when we were younger, where honestly I considered you like a pretty shy
0: dude. Oh, for sure. You know
1: what I mean? Like you were pretty introverted. You liked your own space. I remember like you you didn't really like push yourself out of like certain comfort zones i remember like the driving thing like was one thing that made you really uncomfortable and you were like hard no i remember like we were always like come on man get your license you were like no dude i'll never be able to drive i'm so scared did i actually say that bro you were like i'm never gonna drive you're like i'm so scared of driving you're like hard no like
0: i thought that but i didn't i didn't know that i like refused i i guess i blocked that
1: what was like us it was like it was like us close homies like giving you shit about it probably in a in a in a tight setting you know i don't think you're going around like school saying that shit but like you know when it was like mingy and nemo and i like come on i'm giving you shit like come on brandon get your license and you were like no bro (laughs) right and you know so now like dude seeing how much you've grown and you've you've pushed yourself out of a lot of those things like something just as seemingly simple as getting a license i know was a big step for you yeah and starting to drive and like creating this label and, and going to ipr and getting your degree you know after doing music for so many years like I've seen you just progressively just push past all these barriers, like so fast, dude, what in, in what most people take like 15, 20 years, you've like accomplished like a lot in the last like six years, six, seven years. So I'm really proud of you, man. I mean, not a lot of people that I know have the guts to come out here and like start a channel and start a label and embrace artists who need a platform and give them that platform and believe in them and, and, and go the extra mile and still work a job and like doing all the stuff that you do. Like, man, I, I, I'm, I see you dude. And I'm like, and I'm, I want you to know, like, I'm, I'm trying to level up with you. So, um, you know, keep it, keep it up, bro. Keep growing. And, you know, I'm, I'm so humbled and happy to be, you know, um, on, on this nice minds. Thank you, man. On this nice minds chat with you, dude. This has been, this has been so cool for me.
0: That really means a lot to me. And, and to be honest with you, uh, this is, my longest episode thus far i think we're almost three hours deep all at right. this point uh, so i appreciate that bro scotty z got something to say oh yeah <laughs> scotty z got something to say but bro like but thank you for all those flattering things man that that really means a lot to me because i i guess i i get in my own head and i you know i feel like like i I want to be on that Grammy stage. So I'm like, I'm not there yet. So I'm not, you know, like where I want to be. And I, I, you know, I don't often think about like the, you know, the lives that I have touched. And, and, and I think, I I think I take that back. I mean, I have been thinking about that more, Um, especially talking to old friends on this, on this podcast and stuff. And, and just over the last like couple of years, I've really come into my own and, in and embraced, um what I've done and what I've um the things that I pushed pushed past mentally I mean because you're right I mean I, I've I've talked about it on here like the driving thing for me was it was crazy like I even thought about this morning on my drive to work like I was just like nonchalant like tired driving I'm like I'm like just like so casually just like thought about it I'm like like 10 like not 10 years ago 12 years ago I would have I was, like, deathly afraid. I was, like, at the wheel like this, and now I'm just, like, like, I'm, like, like, I was afraid to do what I do every fucking day without even, like, thinking about it. Like, it, and, but, like, that was a big step for me, and, and it was, it, it was a step that, like, well, quitting, quitting smoking cigarettes was, like, my first, like. That's a huge thing. Huge, That, like, set off a lot of, like, things you know after that after I quit smoking it was like okay what else can I do what else can I do what else can I do mm-hmm. and now I'm like I promised my mom that I would, would win a Grammy and or like at least get to that stage I'm, I, I don't it's I, it's out of my control if I win and it's obviously out of my control if I make it there but like I'm like doing everything in my power like that's my next goal so I'm like what can I do to level myself up to to get to that next place so mm-hmm. Um I think yeah I think it's just 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 trying to be better than I was yesterday and, and try to keep that in my in my brain because I mean cuz to me it it doesn't seem like as rapid of a progression as as you you know said it 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 was to me it seems like it's been extra slow. So to hear somebody else you know impressed with with that um I was like well damn like maybe it hasn't been as slow as I thought it it was.
1: It's a weird thing about how we how we view our own timelines. Yeah, you know, I think our 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 own perceptions of our own timelines tend to be skewed, and we don't realize. Like, sometimes we don't realize we've progressed at all. Do you ever feel that? Like, you ever feel like, oh man, I haven't progressed at all. I'm like, I'm still doing the same thing. Hundred percent. But like, when someone comes in you you're like, dude, nah, man, I remember when you were doing like not that long ago when you were there, and now you're here. You know, like, you know, for instance, to me, like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I've released a couple albums the last couple of years. Like, big deal right like i feel like i haven't really like achieved that much but then someone will come to me they'll be like damn bro you've released 3 albums yeah that's 3 more albums than than i have mm-hmm. that's 3 albums that are out there now that's something yep. you, you created that wouldn't have been there had you not done that for better or for worse if anyone listens to them or not cool but that's 3 albums that were created out of thin air 3 pieces of music that you took the time and you did that and yep. And then I'm like, oh shit! Like you're right. Like I did do that. That That's pretty cool. Like I didn't even think about it. Just like three years of my life. Like whatever. It's just some shit that I do anyways. Yep. But until someone comes and like reminds you, like, yo, man, like you're you're doing pretty good. Like you're doing okay. You know, you're doing pretty damn good. Then you're like, sometimes that's all you need to hear. Hell yeah. You know. So, you know, we just keep reminding reminding each other, man, that we're making we're making moves and we're making progress. Fuck yeah, bro. You know, even if it doesn't feel like it, because the years tend to fly by faster as we get older. Facts. So, you know, these last five years, like, it's like, dude, I just turned 34, bro. And I'm tripping. I'm like, oh my God, I'm almost 35,
0: like mid thirties. I'm 36 and a half, bro. I'm almost 30. (sighs) I'll be 37 in April. I'm just like, fuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and and half of me still feels like a little kid. Like, I still feel like sometimes like I have that exuberance of when I was a teenager. Like, I'm still so interested and so excited to learn new things and i still so much i don't know and then sometimes i'm like i feel like an old fucking man like my body hurts and i just i'm like i've experienced everything and i have this like i have to share my wisdom with the young people Yep. so it's like i don't know man it's 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 a weird place to be and i'm I'm excited to be here and and um i'm excited to grow with you and everybody else and and just yeah let's let's do 2022 man let's let's make this thing let's make this thing happen let's kill it bro yeah I believe you're going to get that Grammy too, brother. Thank you. You're going to get th- you're going
0: to get that shit. Thank you. Yeah, it, as uh as much as sometimes it seems so out of my reach, I'm like progressing every day with my production and and you know learning things and you know getting breakthroughs every every couple days where I'm just like, "Oh shit, like this this is sounding way better than I sounded uh, 2 years ago or even a year ago." You know, it's it's just all about like putting in the work and and keeping your head down and staying focused and you know not getting tripped up on not being where you are you know like not being exactly where you thought you would be or whatever, um, and just just putting in the hours and putting in the time and and just knowing that that it'll happen if if you just stay consistent you know.
1: Something to be said about that, dude. Just consistent just consistent effort over time. Yep. You know. I mean they like working in the real estate industry, they they drive that idea like it's going out of style. Like consistent action over time creates results. Yep. Right? Cuz you know, when you're trying to convince people to like go out there and like sell real estate and they're only getting paid if they close a transaction, like that's it's a scary space. It's like being an artist. Yeah. It's like if you don't go out there and create and sell your music, you're going to you're you're not going to get anywhere. Yep. You know, and then you're doing it and you're like, okay, I'm writing the music. I'm releasing the music and you're doing it and you're like not getting anything back. And you're like, oh man, it's easy to get discouraged and quit. Same thing at real estate. You know, you see a lot of people go in there and they hit it and they do all the stuff they're supposed to do. But, you know, it's just like they don't see the results when they need them to, when they want to see the results or when they feel they need it. And then they give up. And then another person, I see another agent that started at the exact same time that did the exact same things as them just push a little bit further on. Like I'm kidding, like I kid you not, like two, three months past the other, like the agent, you're quit. This other agent goes like two, three months past, boom, all of a sudden they hit a stride and they're like, they get like two, three transactions all at once. And they pull themselves out of struggle like overnight. And then that creates a ripple effect. And then from those three wins or however many wins, even one, even one transaction, that one that get you started, like boom, you just like changes your mentality. And I see these people like overnight, just, oh my God. And like they just go hard. So sometimes it's like like remembering our little wins too, you know? Because as, I think yep. as artists, like we're so used to, especially now with the way that we get rewarded in the music industry, it's like with these little trickles. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, like we're not out there like selling, you know, records anymore. It's like we're getting these little drips from Spotify and these little drips from iTunes and these little drips from sync licensing and these little drips from whatever merch, right? So like a friend of mine recently told me a really interesting metaphor. He was like, you know, back in the days in the old music paradigm, you know, if you got signed to a major label, you had like one or two major funnels of income and you and the label were raking it in, right? You had like, your touring, you're getting paid from your shows and you had your merch and your CDs, right? So CD sales was like generating stupid amounts of revenue. But now he's like, okay, in order to make money as an artist, in order to get financial return, you need to have little cups around you need to have cups like a dozen plus cups set up under like little drip fountains and then if you have enough cups set up in different places those those drips accumulate to a pool and then you know whatever whatever so i was like oh shit like i was like you're right like you can't just rely on like okay get a couple spotify streams like you have to like put your stuff out there in all these places but that being said you know when you're when you're when you're working on on a on a drip feed really easy to like forget your wins mm-hmm. you're like you know like okay cool i got 500 spotify plays like in terms of spotify what you get out of that like okay that ain't shit but it but you get 500 people to listen to your music on spotify like that's a win dude yeah that's a win i don't even care if it's like 25 you get 25 human beings to listen to your music that's a win yep that is a win as far as i'm concerned and I don't care what anyone else, I don't care what the industry has to say about it. You know, a couple years back, I would have seen like, oh, I'm failing. I only got 25 people. they got oh, so many people. It could go be any number. Oh, I only got, but so-and-so's got, you know, 150,000 monthly listeners. So, oh man, like the numbers don't mean anything. Yep. Right? Like we just have to remember our wins as artists, you know, like if you release an album, shit, dude, if you finish a song, you know what I'm saying? If you get around to finishing a tune, that's a win, baby. Hell that's yeah. a win. That's something to be proud of. That's something to share with the homies, you know? Like I finished the fucking track and I'm stoked. Yep. You know? And I want to see more people just just throw that shit yeah. out there. You know? Like I like I I learned a new patch. I I created a new patch on my synth today. Fucking sick. Right? That's a win, dude. That's Hell a yeah. step. So like, you know, I don't care, you know, I I'm, I'm not concerned anymore with like the degrees of 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 success or wins like I'm just kind of like man if if you're doing something we should be sharing those wins with each other and and sharing that with the world too you know like I think that's I think that's really important as artists nowadays you know as we as we kind of morph into more of a digital space and as everything is growing more and more congested and more saturated and it's like you know I saw the statistic I think it's probably higher now but I think at some point on average maybe there's like on every on any single day, there's 10,000 new individual music submissions to Spotify every single day. Yep. On
0: average. It's true. That's insane.
1: That's an insane amount of music. Yep. Right. 10,000 artists all uploading one song a day. Or an album. Unfiltered. No, no, no label restrictions. No. No industry telling them it's good or bad. Just, you know what, I created this shit and I'm going to put it on Spotify so anyone can listen to it. It's beautiful, right? A lot of people complain like, you know, and I mean, I guess even said earlier, like I kind of missed the labels because, you know, like then there was, you know, you kind of had a somewhat of a filter, but even on the flip side of that, like fuck what the labels thought was cool. Right. What they thought was going to be successful, you know? So yeah, now we have this amazing platform or platforms and the internet has grown to this place where like anyone can create and share music. You know, I say, I say, do it. Yep. You know, I say, do it. Anytime somebody comes to me with even a slight like interest in creating their, their own music, like they have they know nothing about it. And they're like, dude, I just want to make beats. I'm like, let's go. I'll show you everything you need to know. Hell yeah. Just to get one song out there even. And like that process for me is really, really. Um, rewarding
0: fuck yeah man
1: that's my rant and i'm sticking to it
0: hell yeah i appreciate you man um do you have any very last words for the people before before we uh end this
1: yeah just take care of yourselves out there man you know love each other try to stay true to your own to your own spirit your own soul like just just express yourself um you know let's try to let's try to rid ourselves of the anxieties and the pressures that society is constantly trying to drill on us, like we need to constantly make more money or we need to constantly work harder or we need to constantly work more hours. I think we need to just take this year, this next year, these next couple of years and really, really find more common ground and, and create, man. You know, if you're a musician out there, I assume, you know, if you're if you're watching this, you're most likely an artist or musician. If even if not, this equally applies. Just create something. You know, go out there, create something that wasn't there before. Draw a picture, you know, like learn a new hobby, you know, just create something that wasn't there before. And I guarantee you, it will be a rewarding experience. Um, Music's done that for me. So, you know, if you, if you love music, try making some music and, and, um, you know, you can come to me for help. You can come to BMXC for help. I know between the two of us, we could share our experiences, um, even deeper than we have today and, and. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got, brother. Peace and love.
0: Hell yeah, bro. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. You too, Brandon. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Sounds good, man. Peace. Peace.